Welcome to Scum, Beer and Villainy, the podcast about beer, geekery and everything in between. I'm your host, Marcel Harper. I've been brewing beer for more than a decade now and am the author of the beginnerbrewer.com blog. I'm joined in the studio by my co-host and fellow nerd, Matt Bezeling. If Matt were an 80s TV hero, he'd be String Fellow Hawk. Oh, that's the nicest thing you've ever said about me. Oh, I thought it was going to be an insult. <laughs> no, Fail. no. Well, unless you mean I'm, I'm Jan Michael Vincent and my uh-huh. career spiraled down into alcoholism. True. He, it didn't go well for him, did it? No, but I mean, once you're, once you're string fellow hawk, the only way is down. Mm, true. There's you no way to go You never really have bettered that. No, you basically just, you've reached the peak at that point in time. Yeah. So, so welcome back, Marcel. Thank you. Do you want to give us a brief overview of why it's taken so long for us to... Oh, uh, too many, too many things to mention. Go, go into detail. Have you, have you been deadly ill? Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> Funny you should mention that, yes. Yeah, no, I, I do want to apologize to all the listeners, uh, if we have any left. <laughs> We'd like to apologize to They may listeners. well have abandoned this podcast now, but um, sorry about that. But uh, yeah, and, and part of the reason is that I did fall deathly ill. and, uh, and had... I'm laughing now, but I wasn't <laughs> laughing then. <laughs> no, At the time, no, it was terrible. Nor was I. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, welcome back, Marcel. Thank you. Congratulations thank you. on beating um, that terrible disease. I'm ready for more beer now. Okay, good. Well, you've been saving up a lot of... Wants and needs. So, beer is anything that's going to make that. Right, wants and needs. Yeah. And we're having our intro beer, man. We are having our intro beer. What's what? Mm-hmm. I haven't actually looked at the bottle that you opened there. I'm so disappointed that you didn't immediately go into the intro beer jingle. Ah, oh, you see, this is how long we intro beer, intro beer. It, it sounds mm, different beautiful. now. It beautiful. sounds different. No, it's more beautiful than ever. Oh, yeah. You're full of compliments today. Pleasure. Now, intro drinking? beer is one of our favorite beers so far on the podcast, and that is Keller Pills by Pils. Jack Black Brewing Company. I must say. At this time of day, this is a really nice beer to drink because because mm. of, of its crispness. Yeah, um, it's 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 actually kind of really a breakfast beer, if ever there was one. Yeah, mm. Mm, that's nice. We're also eating almonds, mm. not sponsored almonds. For no. those of you out there who wish to sponsor us almonds, if you own or want to own a <laughs> snack company, <laughs> you can sponsor us. Oh, absolutely. We will gladly take your free food for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> What's on the uh, what's on the menu today, Marcel? So as the um, intro music may have clued you in, it is our strange episode. <laughs> Things are gonna get strange. Not really. Not that strange. No. Actually, Not strange enough. Really feel ordinary. Uncomfortable. Yeah. Now that I think of it, maybe maybe some people feel uncomfortable. I don't know. Well, that's only just due to the timbre of your voice. True. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, ladies. <laughs> You're like the, the Howard Stern of podcasting. Yeah, I was. No. 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 Yeah. no. <laughs> What's, what is so strange about today's podcast? So, we are going to be looking at some left of center beers. Uh-huh. Uh, not, not the strangest. It, it's really as strange as my local liquor store could provide me. <laughs> um, in my search, my search wasn't very extensive. Um, and maybe in future episodes we can really dig a little bit deeper into the strangeness of beer. And uh, but we we've but maybe it's maybe it's a not thing, not a bad mm. thing in that we're going slightly weird, and then and, and it'll then give us a bit really of a taste. Weird. Yeah, and then we can at some point in time find those things that are made from yeah. camel's milk and for sure. Yeah, yeah, camel's milk beer. Camel's milk beer. Why not? A staple in the Middle East, I'm sure. So we are going to be looking at some beers we haven't really tasted yet. We haven't really spoken about them yet. They they're styles which are a little bit more rare. Um, to find production beers and then some which just are kind of interesting um, mm. so we're going to go through a couple of those and see what we think of them mm. um, we're also as the again the, the music the music is the clue um, uh, would have you believe we are looking at TV today 
what's that? A TV mm. podcast show. A TV show show. Yeah, TV show show. Not not all TV. Not all TV. A specific TV. kind of TV that we like. Which is? Well, which is everything we've ever watched mm. from the 90s onwards. Yeah. Or well, maybe even 80s. There Maybe been eighties. Yeah. There's, there's some. Yeah. Some of us are old enough to remember the eighties. Exactly. Matt, Matt and I today are going to be doing a TV show draft. So for those of you unfamiliar with the format, we'll be um, talking about our favorite TV shows of all time, and the rules of the game would be that if Matt picks a show on my list, I cannot use that show, and vice versa. Mm. And we'll see how many of each other's TV shows we'll snipe, and disappoint the other person that they weren't the one to mention. Yeah. And we'll, then we'll see how strong those lineups are. Indeed. Whether they're going to the Super Bowl or not. Matt is no doubt going to come up with various philosophical reasons why your shows are superior. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> my, my, my reasons invariably <laughs> consist of the fact that at some point in one of the episodes, a nipple was shown. True. So that's, I mean, that's really all I need. I'm also, I'm also relying on you, Matt, to, come, uh, to tell us the entire background history of the show's production crew, <laughs> the director, the writer, and the connections that writer has to Star Wars. Yes. This uh, TV show was written while a man was drinking from an oasis in the middle of Beirut. Uh, now, Matt actually has, for those listeners who haven't quite figured it out yet, but Matt really has a, an encyclopedic memory for these things, and I'm really impressed by it. So I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to guess the, the writer-creators of most of the shows I'm going to mention today, and I don't know any of them. I'm going to know some. Mm. <laughs> so, um, my, 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 see, my knowledge swings a lot more recent than yours, I mm. think, um, because I have no life, and... You know, that, um, that that leads to me being on the couch quite a lot. Sad. <laughs> he says crunching away. <laughs> mm. I'm having these jalapeno rice cracker things. They're wonderful. I can recommend them. Um. Mm. So, so before we get into our beer stuff. Let's get into TV. Let's do a little bit of TV. Let's do a little I bit of TV. I think we should kick off the TV draft because I'm pretty sure yeah. that the first pick is going to be a difficult one because that's very likely. Well, because the first pick, literally what we're saying here is that this is our favorite TV show of all time. Well, maybe. You know, it, it all depends on your strategy in the draft because you may want to leave your favorite for later. But you may also then... But if you leave your favorite for later, it's entirely possible that if it's that good, it'll be picked by the other guy. True. Although, but it, the, the victory will be so much sweeter if yours is at the <laughs> end, you know, and the other person didn't think of it for the whole show. You know what? Remind me never to take you <laughs> to the fucking Super Bowl draft, the, the NFL draft pick, because you'd be like, no, no, no. Don't pick literally the best guy in the world because it'll feel better when we get him at the very end. Exactly. While and no one else while, thought of him. While everyone, and then everyone goes, curse you. Curses. Yeah. Curse yeah. Pa- Peyton Manning would have been still sitting on the bench if you'd been in charge of this shit. <laughs> Good old Peyton. Peyton. So uh, I'm not sure that the right. first pick I'm going to have is necessarily my favorite show of all time. Okay. Oh, okay. Sure. So hang on a sec. But you're going first, right? You've, you've, you've naturally decided that you have the first draft pick. No, I'm the host of the show, so in true grace, gracious host fashion, you can go first, man. Oh. Hmm. I'm not sure I want that. So now you're going to pick Futurama. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to pick Futurama. I may have picked Futurama. <laughs> if you, look, it certainly is on my list, and I'm giving you a little bit of insight there. Yeah, Futurama's on but my I'm list, not, too. I'm not, but picking... I'm not sure it's going to necessarily come out. Okay, I'm going first mm, in this draft, mm, and mm. I'm going to pick a very obvious... Um, iconoclastic, is yeah. it, if that's a word you can apply to a TV mm, show, mm. Um, as my number one. It, it it probably invented the television sketch show, except for possibly... Yeah. Now, that might be one on my list, but I suspect another one, you're going to pick an, a golden oldie. Well, it, it is a golden oldie, but it's mm. not as golden oldie as 
what I was going to pick until I realized it wasn't actually ever on television, which was the Goon Show. <laughs> yeah, that was not on television. <laughs> it was just, that was just radio. Um, what are you going to pick? I'm going to pick Monty Python. Oh. Monty Python's Flying Circus. Oh, that is, that's classic. I think that is a fair first choice draft pick. Mm. I've got to tell mm. you. It, I mean, in many ways, they invented, you're right, they invented the, the skit uh, variety kind of show. Yeah, yeah. I think what I loved about Monty Python especially is just the craziness. It was so crazy. Yeah, right? it was that, you know, uh, uh, having, think, thinking about this list over the last mm, couple of days, mm. it, you can, British comedy in, speci- uh, in particular, you can kind of split up very neatly into an incredibly, insanely surreal stuff mm. where, it, it, where it's quite obviously not based in reality. Yeah. Um, and, and normally is more vignette mm. Um uh, Mighty Boosh is is one yeah. of those which I really really enjoy. Mm. Um, that surrealism that just pulls through, and then the stuff that is very kind of um, grounded in living in London, turn of the century kind of stuff, you mm. know. Mm. Um, and I think Monty Python, it, as far as I'm concerned, was a trendsetter in creating that that original form, that that surrealist, crazy, insane, sketchy, uh, very character based, mm. very well, very. Uh, situational based um also i mean I, I think some of the sketches are so famous now they're almost part of the culture of of, of oh, modern yeah. western dna oh, absolutely i mean the, the parrot skit for instance every if you just talk about the parrot which yeah. is not dead yeah. everyone knows what you're talking about absolutely pining for the fjords mm. yeah uh the 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 hungarian phrase book that mm. was translated by an insane person mm. you know my hovercraft is full of eels Yes, I think I think Saturday Night Live and, and those kind of pastiche shows mm. they couldn't exist without Monty they wouldn't Python. they wouldn't be here without Monty Python. Mm. I've got a pastiche show in mind, but it's a much more contemporary '90s one, which I grew kind of. I, I picked it because I kind of grew up on it, and it was the first show which taught me, I guess, modern comedy. I think I know what it is. Mm. I think I know what it is. Mid '90s mm-hmm. was it? But mid- you can't you can't you can't guess it now, man. No, no, I'm just going to ask two more questions. Right, it, right, was, right. It, was it? Would the phrase urban be applied to it? It may well be. <laughs> okay, then I know exactly what it is. Yes, it All may right. well have featured a rather interesting Wheel of Fortune, which they used to decide <laughs> what to make fun of. <laughs> yes. Okay, all right, no, then that's fine. Yeah. Okay, uh, well, that's my pick, number one. Nice. I th- that, I, so you, that, you, that's obviously excellent. off your table. You don't get to pick it's Monty Python's I circuits. cannot uh, pick it. It was not on my list, I'm embarrassed to say. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, so that's one of those shows uh, I knew I was going to miss, uh, like okay. an idiot. Uh, okay. Um, right. right, I am going to pick a. I'm going to pick a comedy show. Well, mine is also British, mm-hmm. and it is actually a, a direct descendant of Monty Python, and again, one of those shows which could not have existed without him. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to pick Black Adder Goes Forth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the final season in the Black Adder yeah. uh, the, series with the saddest yeah, end scene that's ever it, lived ever and I think that's why I picked it because it, it transcended it went from comedy into something quite special mm. at that final uh, you know the episode it sort of you suddenly realized that they had not just made fun of the first world war mm. but they had realized the, the horrific nature of it as well in that show mm. and in fact a lot of the the punchline comedy of that show was really about Blackadder trying to get out of the war yeah yeah, absolutely. So As it, any rational human being would have. So it sort of referenced uh, Catch Twenty Two a little bit there for me as yeah. well. Um, but it was also hilariously funny, and, and I think Blackadder goes forth as one of the best castings of the Blackadder series, where everyone just got cast perfectly. I mean, Stephen Fry is the the completely out of touch with reality general. Yeah, and you know everything was just so well cast there. 
Um, what I also really like about, and not just about that last season, I mean, I mean, it, it, it comes to the four in the last season uh, of Black Adder. What, there were three, I think there were three seasons? Was, yeah, there was the first one where he's sort of a dunce, which yeah, is my yes, least favorite. Yes. The second one is, is was almost my the, It was like Edwardian and then Victorian and then World yeah, War kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, and the second one, I think, is the, the Edwardian one, which where is probably the most crisp humor, where Black yeah. Adder is sort of on top form. He's the... One he, in control. He's the antagonist. In and and some of the lines there are just beautiful. Yeah. Well, what, what I was going to say is what I really like about Blackadder and, and mm. watching the progression of the series and, and what happens in that final thing mm. is watching Rowan Atkinson and, and his writing partners becoming more comfortable mm. The, mm. with the subtleties of writing that kind mm. of comedy where it started, as you say, like a broad, a very broad, uh, bawdy kind of comedy and mm. ended up quite subtle and quite yeah. nuanced. Um, and Blackadder goes forth you know, kind of brings that to the fore in that it's they're, they're not one-dimensional characters. Mm. Um, he's not just an idiot or that you don't just have those idiots. There, there's still callbacks to the fact, I mean, Stephen Fry as his commanding yeah. officer, I, I believe in, yes. in, in that, yeah. isn't the brightest guy in the entire world. No. But at least he has wants and needs and, mm. you know, they actually they actually write him. Mm. They actually write it's, him. It's a tremendous show and, and really at the end it is sort of a, uh, the pathos comes through and it's sort of super sad. It, it, it's one of those it rare... Is. It's an unbelievably sad final episode. Yeah, and it's one of those rare uh, comedy shows which go from hilarity to utter sadness mm. in, in 30 minutes, you yeah. know, and you, you're left with that feeling of, wow, I've actually watched something a little bit greater than yeah. it appeared at first glance. Yeah, but, but better the, greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's my pick. Black Adder goes for it. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Cool. Shall we do one more? And then we Let's can Let's do one more and we can come uh, back to it. Absolutely. Strange, stranger beers. Um, I'm, I, I have had a lot of difficulty in... Mm. I know. In your life. In, I know, man. In my, in my life. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no. What, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick my, my second choice in this draft pick. Mm. Um, is not the greatest TV show in the history of the world. Okay. It was... I, I'm picking is it because... It's one of the worst. In many ways, it is, but I, I think it also kind of defined the procedural genre. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! I'm feeling a bit it, fearful here. It's uh, it's it's spawned a number of uh, of kind of side projects mm-hmm. and 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 alternative versions and things like that. Oh, but it really was the original. Okay. And and I mean, I did spend. Mm-hmm. I don't think I missed a single episode of this, and all of its other forms uh, in like ten years. Right. I'm beginning to think it might be. I you know uh, it might. I, I think you're about to knock one off my list. I'm, I'm about to. I'm about to say CSI. Oh right. Oh, it's completely safe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you think I was going to say Law and Order? I'm not saying. <laughs> <laughs> that will remain a secret of mine. Well, that, think, it really could only be two, really. Yeah. Uh, of sp- when you said spin-offs, I sort of thought. Oh, yeah. Oh, now he's uh, going SVU CSI. on me. Look, the 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 first. Uh, I, I assume you're talking the very first CSI the first, the, before the there Vegas. were any. Yes, before there were any. There spin-off. were no colons in the CSI, mm. really. Mm. Uh, yes, wow, that exactly. was a double entendre. I, I was going to say there were quite a couple <laughs> of colons in. Uh, I, I I completely agree with you. I mean, I I love. It's not on my list, but the, I think it, for me, it's not on my list because it was tarnished by all the other derivatives, which just became ridiculous after a while. I mean, it probably culminated in CSI Miami, which just well, was the, a parody of itself almost. But I, I think it had its own. It had its own little feel to it. Mm. I I thought um, what uh, uh, Caruso, Caruso, David Caruso. David Caruso. Um, I think he was phenomenal. I think he was aware. Very self-aware of, of 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 what he was doing. And I who certainly was hope so because if he's not, that makes him an incredibly weird dude. Yeah. Look, I've I've, I've read a number of articles um, that I actually try to look up again mm. while I was kind of researching this um, about how difficult he was to work with oh, in really? Hollywood and him 
uh, trying well, to make the change. Why he isn't often cast? Yeah, I think I think I think he was a difficult actor, or is a difficult actor. I assume he's still acting. Mm. I mean, but but I really I really think, and I actually think Miami was in many ways superior to the original no. Vegas. Yeah. No, how can you say that? Because I think they were playing. They they realized that they become so formulaic mm. that they started saying, "Well, then that's what we do. We're going to just mm. run this formula forever and ever and yeah. ever." What was nice about Gil Grissom no. was that he was almost that prototypical nerd exactly that you saw on screen for the first time that's what i was going to say csi made being a nerd really cool yeah all the characters were nerds in their own right on yeah. some level and they were they were clever people who do the clever things at college and got into this occupation and they were they were being clever on screen yeah and and the certainly the first couple of seasons for me also they had clever plots the thing which where i lost csi is where they kind of fell in love with their own kool-aid and they drank it way too much and mm. then, then it's sort of like csi new york became ridiculous it's unwatchable for me because essentially all it is is a crime mm. gets committed a bunch of jargon gets spouted things are happening on a computer and then pops out the answer essentially yeah where in, in the original csi they had to figure things out and, and the best shows are often the ones which turn out not to be a murder mm. and there were quite mm. a few of them yeah. where the person would die under weird circumstances which made it look yeah. like a murder but it wasn't um, and that was those were some of the coolest shows because it was so clever. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I, I do agree with you in that. I think New York was the worst yeah. spinoff. I um, believe there's now one called CSI Cyber. Oh yes, that's with Patricia Arquette. And mm. well, look, Patricia Arquette is still Patricia Arquette. Let's face yeah, it. Well, that, that's the, I was going to say. I mean, it's it's difficult for me to reconcile the idea of being desperately in love with Patricia Arquette mm. for for my entire life. Have, I'm in love with Rosanna. Um, that's that's fine. You can be in love with Rosanna. I'll, I'll have Patricia. So they are related, right? They're sisters. Yeah. yeah. There's a whole bunch of our kids. Yeah. There's a number of our kids. No, but how can you not be in love with Rosanna Arquette? I I didn't say I wasn't in love with okay. Rosanna Arquette. No, as long as you're still in love. Don't don't see, don't be all down <laughs> on me because I don't. I'm not as profligate with my love for Rosanna. In Arquette. fact, she. I've just looked it up. She actually has been in CSI Cyber. Obviously, as a cameo or a. Yes. Okay. Yes. But I mean, we're uh, talking. If we're talking CSI Cyber, we're talking Res- uh, Patricia Arquette and. Mm reconciling my desperate love for her over many years mm. with watching her acting in CSI Cyber mm. has been one of the really difficult parts of my life over the last year and a half. Mm. Um, all right, let's go on to your second pick. Second pick for me is, it's weird how we're sort of following the same and, and I really didn't change my second pick based on what you were just saying. But oh, mine yeah. is, so I am a little bit, and people who know me know that I'm more than a little obsessed with the police procedural. Um, I, I tend to watch every single one mm. available. Mm. and And I've, I don't think it's a, a, a boast to say that I've pretty much watched most police procedurals since the 90s. Uh-huh. And I, I really love them. Mm-hmm. Um, the very, I mean, some of them are really bad. And some of them are, are just, again, approaching art for me. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to, and I've got more than a few police procedurals on here. But my favorite one still remains this one. It was great because it featured, for the first time, a lot of really strong um, black characters, a lot of strong female characters. It was shot in sort of super documentary style, and it was just gritty and wonderful. And like you can watch it now, and it hasn't at all aged. And that show is Homicide: Life on the Streets. I remember Homicide. Yeah. I remember that. That was uh, yeah. It was that Andre was, Bra. Yeah, yeah, and he was he was uh, Pimbledon, Detective Pimbledon, and he was the guy who could get anyone to talk in the box. Like he, he got a guy in the box, and he would sweat it out with this guy, and the guy would eventually yeah. uh, confess. That, that set the tone for like. Yeah, you know, television in the 90s. I, I remember it being a, yeah. a landmark. It was a landmark. I mean, it was one of the first shows which showed 
to cop life, I think, because mm. it focused more on how the work affected the detectives and how also life on the street and life mm. as a detective wasn't really that glamorous. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It really screwed you up mm. and it wasn't ever fun and there were unsolved murders which would haunt you yeah. and there were things which didn't work out and you had to deal with the, the politics and the cast was just top-notch. I mean, you had um, Bayless and Pembleton Bayless was his partner also, one of the first openly bisexual characters portrayed in oh, really? television. Yeah, I mean, there was. I mean, the, the stories were intricate, so the murder mysteries were there. So, like any good police procedural, but I think what made it so good was the drama between the characters. The way it was shot, they often actually used very documentary style yeah. camera work. Yeah. Um, and apparently, legend has it also that uh, the 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 directors on the show often wouldn't tell the characters that they were being filmed. Mm. And so the character kind of impromptu. Yeah, and the actors had to be in character on set at all times mm. because they would every now and again. And you, if you watch Homicide, you'll see it every now and again. The camera sort of shifts to background characters talking mm. and mm. having coffee, mm. and and they would like you know do something interesting, or the one guy would laugh at the other guy's joke, and it would be in the show, and it would be completely unscripted. Yeah, um, wonderful show. It had a lot of crossovers with other shows as well. Strangely enough, yeah, I, I remember there being a shared universe. With yeah, the, with Law and Order. With Law and Order, and that's also where yeah. we first met Detective Munch, who is the ultimate uh, eccentric. Yes, yes, yes. And Detective Munch was in a lot of different shows. He was in Law and Order eventually as one of the prime detectives in one of their later shows, and he was also in another show which I can't mention right now because that's on my because it's list. also on your list. <laughs> uh, 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 Homicide. I mean, it's 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 shooting style, not 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 the procedurality mm. of it but it's shooting style the, the 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 feel of the way they broke down the the storylines i think if you didn't have homicide life in the streets you wouldn't have later on had something like uh like the wire you know yeah. you wouldn't have had those gritty mm. urban crime dramas exactly um it, it broke ground for that in in, mm. in almost every possible way so okay. that was it homicide is my uh, second pick okay well maybe we should move on to some beer i think people this are is tired a of, beer show this apparently. is a beer show yeah Although mm. I can I can see you shoehorning a bit more popular culture into this fucker. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Why not? We are, after all, uh, you know, a show about geekery and beer and everything in between. Yes, and now we need to get heavy on the geekery. Yeah, let's get let's get the beer out. Though. Get the beer out. Starting off the weird beer. I mean, it's not weird, but it's certainly not a common production style which we're going to try first. It's also the highest alcohol style we tried. We're going to try today, so I thought it would be a good idea to start with yeah, hand rather than end that. with it. Yeah. And it's from a Belgian brewery. Um, so strange and Belgian beer kind of go together. It's not that surprising. Um, they do make some of the strangest beers in yeah. the world. And this is from the La Trappe uh, Trappist Brewery. Uh, so they are a... We, we Remember, we discussed the whole thing around Trappist breweries yeah. and everything. Monks and That's, things. Yep. And uh, they, they have the authentic Trappist product seal of approval. This is the, the La Trappe Quadruple. Quadruple, because we've, we, we've had a... Yeah. A double and a triple. And yeah. A so, so the quadruple is the strongest Trappist style beer made, um, and as the name suggests, it's it's four times usually as strong as some of the other beers. Um, and this one, and it's meant to be sipped from a wine glass, as we're having it right now, or a tulip glass. And in small quantities, it's sort of a dessert beer. Mm -hmm. it goes really well with most desserts. Um, and the alcohol level for yeah, for this one is ten percent. Should we? Yeah. I mean, there are quadruples which are higher than this. And, uh, well, let's try it, man. And I, I'm interested to know what, what you think of it. I mean, okay. color-wise? Um, color-wise, it's a kind of nice multi-brown. Mm -hmm. um, 
a little bit of sediments in it. I, I, I love. That's I love mostly the, my fault, by the way. I shouldn't have poured the whole damn bottle. In the glass. <laughs> they do say you should not pour the last bit in. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, I love the head. It's got a very mm. kind of creamy head. Yeah. A lot um, of good lacing. Very beautiful lacing. It's a it's it's a nice contrast with that that the cream to the yeah. that, that almost golden brown. It's yeah. very very nice. And I mean, for me, the aroma is sort of somewhere between a double and a triple. So it's got that sugariness of the triple. That clean sugariness, but it's also got yeah. a much stronger multi backbone. Multi, yeah. yeah. So it is, in a way, a marriage between the double and the triple, I think. Um, and and it, it's a beautiful, beautiful marriage, as far as I'm concerned. The, it's, it's, the, the aroma is very creamy. Mm. It, it, it does have a very kind of uh, desserty aroma. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You, you, just, you just turned into a different person there. I just love this beer. Um, I mean, La Trappe is not my favorite Trappist brewery, but this one is pretty good. Oh, that's lovely. Mm. I mean, it's got so many flavors. Um, right off the bat, you get a real caramelly, mm. almost um, candy floss. Yeah, there's a lot of sweetness up front. Mm. But then there's also spiciness, like Christmas spices. Yeah, very spicy. Um, yeah, real cinnamony. And that's mostly the yeast, right? So the, the, um, the quadruple doesn't have any spice or anything in it. It's literally just your typical Belgian um, mm. peppery, ingredients. Peppery notes, uh, clovey. Yeah. Um, and again, they have, they have glucose syrup in it. So like most of the Belgian beers, there is sugar added. And that's really where that some of that sugariness comes from. Uh, but I think that's quite important to offset the, the alcohol. Because yeah. I'm actually not tasting a heck of a lot of alcohol now, uh, which is a testament to its. Well, that's the skill of the brewing. Belgians, you know. They, all their their high alcohol beers do not taste boozy. Yeah, there's no, there's there's not that acidity that you'd expect with it. Look, there's the warmth of alcohol which follows, and I think this is also, this is a great winter lovely, warmer, lovely winter drink. I mean, yeah. this is kind of sleigh bells and oh hell yeah, uh, you know, I can absolutely. Yeah. And and if it's a cold day and you want something to warm you up. Rather than having sort of your typical port or something, this mm. would be a much better option for mm. me. This is, uh, you know, without the the actual heat, um, mm. you know, like a beer glue wine. Yeah. You know, it's got those same notes. Exactly. Um, the sweetness carries through in a similar mm. way. But it's also a lot denser, you know, which, yeah. you know, which is more filling. You could serve comforting. this. You also could serve this at a higher temperature than we're having it at the moment. And I don't, I don't think it would lose very much in in, no. in, in being a bit warmer. No, in fact, they, they recommend 10 to 14 degrees, which is quite okay. warm for a beer. Yeah. Um, and so if you you can almost have it like a glue viney kind of yeah. vibe. And I can imagine the multi-flavors would come out a lot more. Much more. If, uh, yeah, if all it the was flavors. a bit warmer. Your, your spicy yeast notes also will come out a lot. Um, but, and and it's, a, it's remarkable what the yeast does. And that's what makes the Belgian yeast so ma- magnificent is that all the spice, all the interesting little flavors we get in this beer are mostly coming from the yeast. Mm. Um, obviously, they use fantastically interesting uh, uh, malts. Yeah. So for the home brewers out there who want to do these sort of styles, you've got to start uh, kind of getting into some of the Belgian malts, um, which are different from the malts you would use in, let's say, your more American ales. Easy to find here? Very easy to find in most home brew shops. Um, there's a, there is a Belgian um, maltster called Castle Malting which is brought in, in, in quite large quantities in South Africa. And so a lot of the craft brewers who do Belgian styles or, mm. or pseudo-Belgian styles uh, use it. So, I mean, for instance, the quadruple would have um, aroma malt in it. It's called aroma malt. And it produces this kind of very interesting, malty, rich aroma. I, I can only imagine that if you were trying to make this at home, the real, the real challenge would be in the balance. 
mm. would be in you know hitting the 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 alcohol content yeah. at the same time as it not being in any way overbearing across the other flavors, which are quite. Um, I know. I mean, they, they're they're obvious, but at the same time, subtle. You know, the mm. the the those Christmas notes. Um, I think would be very easy to to lose if you had a lot of that alcohol in it. It it bears repeating that making Belgian beers as a home brewer is one of your greatest challenging endeavors you mm. will undertake. I mean, it is not an easy beer to recreate. Yeah. Um, you've got to work with yeast very very skillfully. Your malts have to be on point. Uh, you know, you've got to know how to use sugar in beer. Yeah, like um, you say, that I mean, the added glucose. That's mm. something you'd really have to manage. You do, and it's not just any glucose. You know, the kind of sugar you add is going to make a difference to the beer. Mm. You can't just add table sugar and think it's going to be the same. Sure. And in fact, some Belgian beers do call for table sugar, um, but that's when they want a bit of a harsher sugar flavor in the beer. Mm. But most of the Belgian beers use candy sugar, which can be bought. Uh, you can make your own candy mm. sugar if you're not like really rock industrious. Sugar type it's like rock sugar. Yeah. Um, or gold, uh, you know, sort of golden syrup is usually a good one. Because it's inverted glucose syrup, basically. Yeah, yeah. And and I've often used uh, the sort of Lyle's golden syrup. I was going to say, I'm, I'm sure we've uh, we've tasted some of your beers that have got uh, mm. golden syrup in. Yeah. And I think that's you know it's it's a challenge to make a good Belgian beer. You also often have to re-ferment in the bottle. That's not the same as bottle conditioning your beer. That is actually re-fermenting it in the in the bottle with fresh yeast. I was going to say that's adding additional yeast when yeah. you bottle it. And yeah. Then and and that can be a challenge to a lot of home brewers who haven't used. Um, especially live yeast before. Where, where would this kind of almost nitrogeny head come from? Mm. Well, the, the head in beer is a complex topic, which, you know... Probably deserves its own <laughs> yeah. podcast. Yeah, in fact, I mean, it it's might uh, it probably won't surprise a lot of homebrewers, but actually I've, I've read a few uh, masters and, and PhD dissertations of people studying um, brewing science like at UC Davis and those places which are really all about head retention mm. and how head is formed. It's a very complex chemical reaction. Um, so it's partly the, um, the there's sort of zinc and, and other other kind of compounds and malt which causes head to form. Um, it's mostly the malt and also hops has a influence on your head um, of the beer and and so it's the yeast everything has sort of a complex interaction to create head and beer mm. and there's a lot of things which will damage head retention mm. uh, which mm. where you won't find a lot of um, foam and, and yeah. creaminess in the head sure but that's so, also highly dependent on style at the same time is. I mean yeah. yeah but it's also again a testament of the skill of the brewer that, that you have good head in the beer the, irrespective of the ingredients you put in yeah um, and, it's, and it's the texture that you would yeah. want to have associated with that For style sure. I mean a a pulsner with this kind of head mm, uh, would be odd. Would be odd. Yeah. So I think the creamy sort of almost like you said nitrogen head is due to the complex malts being used here, as well as the fact that it's re-fermented in the bottle, mm. and so it gives the carbonation I think a very soft um, characteristic, which which makes for very very mm. tiny little bubbles. Yeah, a much denser. Yeah. Yeah. As as it's warming up now, I'm, I'm I am tasting a lot more of the malt. Mm. Uh, the, the glucose comes a bit more to the front. For sure. And I think what's interesting also, and that's another test for homebrewers, is if you want to see if you've made a good beer, warm it up. Let it warm. Yeah, that's interesting. And if it still tastes good, you've got a good beer. If it yeah. tastes like crap then, then you know there's some issues. Well, I think it would be counterproductive to, to, to make a beer that only tastes good, you know, at a very particular uh, temperature. Yeah, almost like one of those macro brews, which <laughs> are advertisers <laughs> having to be 
having to be ice cold having to be ice cold at all times yeah. in fact so cold that they show the temperature on the tap itself yeah they're, they're desperate that you don't warm that beer up please do not warm up this beer please please whatever you do whatever you do don't taste anything we've done here uh water for ducks back Myself, yeah. water off a duck's back. I'm a, I didn't even mention you, Matt. Yeah, but if you, the shoe fits every time, every <laughs> fucking time. Yeah, uh, this is this is lovely. I mean, uh, in terms of in terms of strangeness, I think what we're mm. looking at here is the fact that it's a uh, a, a high alcohol beer. Yeah, uh, you know that that obviously imparts a lot of its difference. Mm. Um, it's also sellerable. This beer, by the way, you can seller it. And how, how long do you think you could keep it for? You could keep it for at least two to three years, oh. and it will improve. Um, it's one of those beers almost nowadays which a lot of beer collectors are, are seeking out to seller. And so you can keep it in a wine fridge. Is that because of the high alcohol temp- content that it's not going to spoil? No, all the, the malts, the, the, the alcohol will help age it. Um, it's just a lot of the Belgian beers are really good when they're aged. Um, it is really like you would age a fine wine. Yeah, very, very nice. Uh, uh, the, it, it really makes me think of Christmas. Mm. Nice one, Marcel. Yeah. This is a really, really good beer. Cool. I'm, I've got so to tell you that trip that that ten uh, percent is definitely ten percent. <laughs> so you don't taste they it, but you not, feel it. They are not fucking around with yeah. the ten percent. <laughs> they, they, you feel that that ten percent. I, I must say, when I was in, uh, I'm feeling considerably warmer now. No, no, no. My whole my day. whole body is tingling. Um, when I was in the UK, there is um, I I had, I had a landlord mm. uh, who 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 was you know as I said, a complete alcoholic, but his um, his beer of choice. I thought all landlords in England were alcoholics. Well, that, that's the impression I'm not mm. getting. Um, but his his drink of choice would be was a, a I think it was eleven or twelve percent beer called Super Skull. Mm. It comes in it comes in tins and it's something mm. like forty pence a tin mm. or something it's like really that. It's really bad stuff. It's really bad stuff. It's like mm. ethanol. So when you mentioned the ten percent on this beer. I immediately had like vivid flashbacks to my landlord vomiting on my bathroom floor. Mm. Um, but when was he in your bathroom? Um, he, he was he was weird, man. He, he was weird. Yeah, he didn't have boundaries. He he had no boundaries. He wanted to come out drinking with us on Saturday on Friday nights, and we mm. were like, "Ah, oh, we're just going to the <laughs> hospital." <laughs> yeah, the guy who doesn't get invited. <laughs> and the guy was kind like, "Oh, sad. that's fine." Um, so so I'm glad that wasn't the super skull. No. Uh, and that, that super skull stuff in Europe, and it's similar to the the malt liquors in America. They just made to get people drunk. Yeah, that's really what they're all. Yeah, about. yeah. It's just it's just drunk in a can. Yeah. Cool. What, what's next, Marcel? Well, what's our next strange one? Are we going to do a little bit more TV? We are going to do a little bit more TV while I ready the next one. Okay, that's fantastic. So you are up for your third pick, Matt. Okay. Do you know? Do you, the reason I'm going to put this on my list mm. is because I think it is one of the most polarizing. TV shows of the last decade. Decade. In terms of, there are people who love it, mm. hate it, started off loving it mm. and ended up hating it. Is it started a off hating show? it, and no, it's not. It's sci-fi. Oh. It is very sci-fi, oh. and it's a very clever sci-fi film oh. and a, a, a sci-fi series. I and think it, I know what you're talking about. It started off as a as a monster of the week mm. um, program, and and just expanded um, with a phenomenal cast. Um, Leonard Nimoy. Was 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 in there, <laughs> ah. and and I the reason I'm choosing this because I know this is on your list. Damn you! I know this is on your it list. Is so, I had to pick it, it. is my first pick on sci-fi shows, and I hate you forever. Well, I'm I'm going to choose it. Oh. So I'm choosing Fringe. Yeah, I'm no. choosing Fringe. Fantastic choice. It it's um, in many ways it was kind of like in, in in from what I remember to be a a very blank spot in sci-fi yeah. television 
you know, yeah. times. There wasn't a lot on. It was post X Files. It was yeah, it was pre- very much post X Files. Yeah, pre- and there were a lot of really stuff. bad ones in between. There was a lot of kind of pastiche, corny, mm. you know, yeah. naive sci-fi True. that was going on at the time, and and Fringe. Like I say, it started off as a very simple monster yeah, of the let's week Let's investigate thing. the weird shit. Let's look at the weird shit. And it, and it fitted nicely mm. into the X-Files fold. And it just went from there. And it, it the mm. alternate history, alternate yeah. world. It, it touched on all these elements. It was a magnificent show. It, it really was fantastic. And I, I mean, I, the, I the guy does Walter, who's the German actor. Yes, he was in Lord of the Rings. He played uh, yes. the king in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. He's, Austra- he's Australian. Oh, is he Australian? He's Australian, yeah. I thought he was German. No, no, no. He's Australian. Right. And he is just... I mean, he's funny little eccentricities mm. and the LSD references and the 60s references yeah and the cow in the lab and yeah there's just so many good things in that show yeah and and it it it, it plays on itself so much and yeah. it plays with your expectations so much and then what it does is it goes to an alternate reality mm. of itself yes and it and works it, and it works it it's works. not self-referential really it no. really works no and i mean i have to give high props to a, a show that has pacey from dawson's creek in it and makes him seem <laughs> excellent <laughs> And and they did. They really, really did. And the lead actor, uh, Anna, she is Anna Torf, She was fantastic. And she is just. You also fall in love with her very quickly. Desperately, she's yeah. she's 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 bright eyed. She's she's innocent, and you just watch this mm. esoteric world slowly wear her down yeah. as she's introduced to the the complexities. Of course, I have to ask you: Who do you prefer? That do you prefer her original incarnation or the alternate? Or, or naughty, reality? naughty, the, the naughty. What was her name? Anna. Olivia, naughty yeah. Olivia. Um, I won't lie and say that I didn't like Dark <laughs> Olivia. Dark Olivia. That, Dark Olivia was pretty cool. That alternate timeline in general was pretty sexy. The, everyone was. who was in it, like I was like, uh, uh, even the uh, the their the head of their division. Mm. Um, even he was a little bit more dangerous, yeah, and a little bit like more dark. crazy. He's yeah. dark, you know. And yeah. and Lennon and Moy as William Bell, they 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 set him up as this. Almost messiah-like, mm. and he ends up being a complete lunatic. And he's he's insane. He, he was basically mm. breaking Spoiler the world. Spoiler alert, by the way. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That's around season three. So if you haven't watched that, don't mm. do it yet. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I might just want to say right now that there is going to be a lot of spoilers in the show. Oh, in case you yeah haven't figured that out, you have to out. go back in time and yeah. say that. Um, no, so so Fringe is definitely there on my uh, as as a draft pick. Uh, it, it was an exceptional sci-fi series. You know what you I know, also enjoyed about downs. it, which I, I think really they did exceptionally well, is I mean, X Files did some of that, but I think Fringe did it better in the sense that they they had a, a way of weaving in your overall the, that sort of large plot line in such a subtle, interesting way. Uh, it wasn't; it didn't seem forced. Like mm. some shows, you can tell they they had it as a monster of the week show, and then they decided we need a big plot line. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But Fringe is almost like it was always there. Yeah, but they decided to. To seed it in very close, the, yeah, yeah, and but the, see the thing I liked about Fringe and I didn't like about mm. uh, Lost, which is one of my greatest hates. Yeah. I hate, I hated Lost. I think it was a an example of a show that didn't know what it was doing. Mm. Fringe always seemed like they knew where they were writing to. Yeah, yeah, it certainly had a, a trajectory. It had an endpoint. Mm. It was me- it was meant to satisfy the yeah. you know the viewer. Yeah. And, and it was just an incredible show. Yeah. No, we'll, we'll, we'll agree in, entirely on that one. Yeah. Your turn. And I'm Good expecting one. something well, sci-fi. Man, but you really nailed <clears throat> that. Uh, well, Fringe was, was going to be my mention, actually. Well, so you'd you, sniped you're it. You have to move along now. You sniped it. You bastard. Well, it happens. Yeah. It happens. That's what happens. So it's a difficult one for me. I mean, there's so many good ones, and it's very difficult. I, I'm going to pick one which sort of surprises me that it's on the list. It surprises you that you like it. 
yeah it, it was a show that i shouldn't have liked all that much because it's got some conventional kind of things in it which was a little bit overtried, but as the seasons you know progressed it became better and better and better and it was one of those shows where at the very last episode of the last season it was just sort of like wow what a ride mm, okay and it, it really became better as it went along um it's still to this day for me the and although i don't i don't necessarily care much for the individual actors although there is one incredibly attractive actor in it um, <laughs> it's not just about how hot they are myself i know but it does help um but apart from that i mean the individual actors are not i, I wouldn't say you're going to pick them out of a, a oscar lineup but i haven't seen a better portrayal of the potential and of ai and portraying mm. ai in a way which makes sense to me mm. and which takes it into a sort of direction where it's not just you know the computers are going to kill us terminator style but there's a bit more of a balanced view on ai i'm, I'm intrigued because i'm not yeah. i can't guess this so this I is person this. of interest Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. With, um, with uh, Jim Cavazio. Jim Cavazio, yeah. And I, I seem to like shows where people have unpronounceable names. Yeah, Cavazio. Yeah, so that's... And I don't really like him all that much as an actor, to be quite honest. I mean, he's okay. I mean, I liked him in... Dude, he was Jesus. You can't you can't say anything about him. He was Jesus. That's one of the reasons I don't like him. <laughs> he is, apparently, by all, by all accounts, a very conservative Catholic kind of dude. So I don't think him and I are going to be sharing no, him, much him, of anything. That's why him and Mel Gibson get on so well. I'm sure. Um, he's just been a little bit better at not being ostracized. In, insane about it, yeah. Uh, look, I mean, good-looking dude, you know, he's got some acting chops. I mean, his main style of acting in Person of Interest is being the the, the, the dark, silent type. Yeah. And in many ways, he is yeah. just that. Super um, successful at that. Yeah, I mean, his counterpart... Uh, Who's the the clever guy, you know, who, who created the AI in, in Person of Interest is a much more compelling character for me. Um, but it's just a, again, it also kind of starts as a monster of the week. So in some ways, I think those shows work for me. Mm. I like shows which mm. are monster of the week mm. because it mm. it's kind of cool, you know. You you're looking forward to, and the premise of Person of Interest was fun, but because they they are kind of pops out a number of someone who may be involved in a crime. Mm. Um, and but they never know whether the person is going to be the victim or the perpetrator. Yes, and they have to kind of figure that out. Yeah, sure. sure. And he's this sort of black ops spy dude who's got almost no conscience to kill people. It's also a show where people get killed a lot. Yeah, people die. People fucking die. People die. And I like shows where, you know, not to sound like I'm a sort of freak, but I you I, like when people die. <laughs> I don't. I hate shows where. With the protagonists are all ex something, you know, ex special forces, ex secret agent, but they never kill anyone. You, what you don't like is if, when there are no stakes. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. So it, it, it must feel threatening. It, it must be the sure. there must be the possibility that people yeah. will no longer be in that show. But there's also the Game of Thrones attitude, you know. No, I don't mean the main characters. Although some uh, right in the first season, at the end of the first season, a person in just a major character dies, yeah. which does come as a quite of an unexpected surprise. Um. But there's some good, I mean, some fantastic character acting. Because it's a, a, a Monster of the Week show, they have a lot of guest actors who play major roles. Mm, mm. Um, some of the recurring characters, like the cop, who's sort of this guy who's trying to redeem himself after being a dirty cop. Um, and he is just brilliant. I mean, he's, he's, he plays the, the tired, slightly cynical cop, but who's trying to do the right thing yeah. to a T. Yeah, which um, is a, which is a, a well-used trope. It is, but it's somehow he, he, he revives it in a way, I think. Okay. Um, Kevin Chapman, by the way, is the detective. Um, brilliant, brilliant actor. 
person of interest. Well okay. worth watching if right. you haven't. Yeah. How many seasons did that go to? Four? Um, I think so. And it, it's also another great example of where it's not the last thing which continues and then leaves you hanging. Yeah, no, that actually had a denouement. Yeah, this actually this actually finished. Yeah, there's five seasons, by the way. Five seasons. Yeah. There we go. 103 yeah. episodes. Okay. Back to beer. Back to beer. Back to beer. Back and to... please hold that up because I So I take it I person of interest was not on your list. Person of interest wasn't on my list, no. So this is a Scottish craft beer. It's not um, Brew Dogs. It's not Brew Dogs, it's no. Not. It's Innocent Gun. Who make a nice cider. Yeah, I, I'm very ambivalent about their beers. So, huh? yeah, I, huh? I don't really like them. But I've never had this particular one. It's a canned one. It's a lovely bottle. I mean, can. Yeah, the design is very... It's all fizzy, swirly. It reminds me a little bit of Cream album covers. Yeah, I was going to say, there's something, there's something psychedelic cover. about yeah. that... that um, Fleur de Lis and uh, yeah. all swirly, whirly stuff. Whirly stuff yeah. So this is the Innocent Gun Session IPA. So I, I, I picked it because we haven't really had a lot mm. of Session IPAs on the show. We did do a lot of IPAs on our IPA show. Yeah. But this is a, an emerging style, um, which is called like a Session IPA, which is I've, not a... I've tasted their regular IPA. I've tasted okay. the Innocent Gun regular IPA, and it was average. It yeah. was average. I have not tasted the mm. Session IPA. Can Can we please just break down... When we say session, we just yeah. break that down. Well, I th- I'm not sure. I you know I understand myself all the time. I mean, I think session IPA came about, especially in America, where there was such an uh, appetite for IPAs, and the, the typical craft beer fan in America really digs a good IPA. That bre- you know breweries had to produce several IPAs just to stay ahead of the trend. Yeah. And so, but the, the main characteristic of an IPA is, of course, that it can be quite high in alcohol. And it, it can be very, very bitter. So you yeah. can't have that mean. No, you get that palate fatigue. Yeah, your palate eventually just stops doing anything. And, yeah. and it's too high in alcohol. You know, you can get wasted quite quickly. So the idea was to bring out beers which have the IPA flavor, but which are lighter in alcohol mm. and not as bitter, um, so that your, your palate kind of still revives itself. So the IPA is light. So sure. would we, could well, we no, call these think- faux PAs? No, they're not. And I think that's the thing. I think if it's an IPA, it must still taste like an IPA. But the, the session IPAs, I think the difference there is that they are lower in alcohol. Yeah. So you can have more of them and they're not as bitter. Okay. Because remember, hops has a bitter characteristic and it has a flavor characteristic. Now, in, in traditional IPAs, you've got both. So yeah. if you look, for instance, at the Tomahawk IPA, which yeah. we love from Agers, it's got both. It's yeah. very bitter and it's very hoppy in yeah. flavor. It's reasonably high in alcohol. So you can't have as many. You just can't. No, you can try though. You can try. You we can, have. We have tried. We have. We've definitely pushed the limit. And and some people have more of a tolerance for bitterness. I've got a huge tolerance for bitterness, so I can have those things all day long without mm. but, losing but, my but palate. But for general consumption, it's yeah, it's, it's not likely to have you know six or eight. No, it's not. So so that's that's why the session IPA kind of thing came out now, and it's not an official style. But if people put session in front of IPA, it means we've we've brewed it with less mm. alcohol and less bitterness, but presumably still all the hop flavor. Mm. And that's a technique of brewing which you can use as a home brew as well. It's mostly when you do late uh, late kettle hops. So you you don't put a lot of hops in the beginning of the boil. Mm. You mostly reserve all your hops for after the boil's finished in your whirlpool and a lot of dry hopping and so on. And that's where the hop gun thing, which we spoke of, uh, yes, comes so in. Hop gun. So it's basically adding and, hops after the boil is complete. dropping the alcohol, would that be less using less sugar? Yeah, well, use less malts. Which is fine because you don't have as much bitterness to balance. Yeah. Um, and so it goes together then that you, if you add hops to the later part of the boil or not in the boil at all, 
then then you're not going to have as much bitterness to balance with with malt. Yeah. So you can put in less malt, and then you can drop the the alcohol level. Okay. So this one is got a lot of interesting stuff on it. it it's uh, it's four point six percent alcohol, so that is a less. They've got four varieties of hops in it, which isn't that remarkable, but they they <laughs> seem they seem to think it is. They're bumping that. You can see that I'm already disliking them. I was going to say, don't be so uh, mean. I know I'm so mean. We haven't even tasted it yet. Yeah. It doesn't look like an IP. I've got to tell you. What do you mean? Look at it's that. Clear. Um, it's not the clear I'm worried about. It's the color. <laughs> yeah, it's a very light straw. Very, very light color mm. for an IPA. On the smell, yeah, smells smells good. Mm. There's a there's a lot of hoppiness in the in the aroma. Mm. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of um, that sort of spicy hop notes. So it means that they probably use more European hops, maybe, on the taste. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's okay. I'm I, I would be more interested in the in the the what the smell promises than what mm. actually happens when I drink it. Yeah, look, I'm I'm skipped. I have not really tasted Innocent Gun beers, which I really like. I I feel they're a little bit. Oh, um, I, I'm sorry, Marcel. I'm going to go back and say this tastes like a faux pas. Mm. This tastes like a lager crossed with an IPA. Mm. It 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 the 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 crunch, the density that you get out of an IPA, that that, that bitterness, that um, that dryness. Yeah, um, I'm not. The, look, this is pretty bitter. Yeah, but not. But this seems to be pulling back to a point where it's not really still an IPA. Yeah. No, it is a thing to make a sessionable IPA, which still maintains the IPA character. And and part of the reason why those are sometimes difficult is they're expensive beers to make because you're adding way more hops to the beer than you would normally because you're adding them at the end of the boil or after mm. the boil, which means to get the flavor out, you, you need, need to add more, more hops. Um, and that makes them expensive and, and not as popular to make. And that that's also probably exactly mm. why it smells yeah. very IPA because that's where yeah. those hops are coming from, but yeah. it's not in the body. Yeah, look, I mean, I think I've had better session IPAs for sure than this one. I mean, it's sort of bitter, and a bitterness starts to... It just fades immediately. Fade a little bit quickly. It's bitter right up front, and then it's just gone. I just don't like the hops they put in here. I don't know what hops they've used, but I don't get any of the the kind of really nice, bright hop flavor, which I enjoy in an IPA. And it doesn't necessarily have to be citrus or anything, but the brightness of the hop flavor, I think, is important. And this one is a bit almost like musty... The hops is not coming through very clearly. It's it's sort of it's hoppy, yes, but can you put a can you put a finger on the taste of the hops? I don't think so. No, no. There's just there's no besides the character of the actual beer, which looks very enticing. Doesn't yeah. look like an IPA, but it's very clear and and nicely coloured. Uh, there's yeah. no there's no clarity in flavour. It's just mm, it's it, a bit it, it, it turns it turns to water after that mm, initial. It's got very little little body, that's for sure. Um, and I mean I don't know. I think Innocent Gun is kind of it's 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 shot its load with me, man. <laughs> well, it won't be the first, Marcel. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm deep. I'm not impressed with Innocent Guns beers. No, I, that... I find them sometimes downright weird, and not in a good way. Like they do a whiskey barrel beer, which is really like tasting sparkling whiskey, and not a good whiskey either. No, their beers are for me just not worth the price, really. Yeah, look, it's not flawed. It's not a. It's not a beer that's. I mean, I assume that they aimed mm. to make this beer, and it's they've come out with it. I just don't think it's a good beer. That's that's about it. Yeah, look, I, as far as Innocent Gun go, I have to say, this is one of the beers I would drink. If you were forced to drink an Innocent Gun. Yeah, if someone gave it to me without telling me it's Innocent Gun, I'd probably feel a bit bitter about it. But I, So as all their beers mm. go, this is one of the better ones, but it's not good enough to go and buy a six-pack of either. No, no, not, not, not impressed. Yeah, so, so far, Session IPA... Innocent Gun, not our favorite beer ever. No. 
But still, we haven't tried a session IPA yet, so we think. Yeah, we maybe blocks. maybe this is the best session IPA that's ever been made ever. No, I don't. I don't think so. Okay, <laughs> I was just, I'm just giving the benefit of the doubt. I that. really don't think so. I was like, maybe the style just sucks. Onwards, onwards and upwards, eh? Onwards, yeah. I'm not sure I can finish this. I don't think I really like it enough. Mm. Yeah, look, the podcast isn't just about good beer. It's about beer. It's about beer. It's about being able to critically understand what we're drinking. Mm. He says, just looking forward to the next beer. <laughs> I'm reaching into the magic <laughs> the beer ma- box. The magic beer box. Beer box 2.0. Okay, One. so let's let's move on to some other beer. Now, this is the rye beer I was talking about. Yes. This is a rye PA. A rye PA. Let's have another yeah. portmanteau. And it is a funny little bottle, which... It's almost like a double bottle. It's it's exactly the same bottles used by um, the Murchat Brewery for their Dufel and those sort of yeah, beers. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is from Darling. All right. So Darling is now releasing all their beers in this format. Um, I think I I, I I speak under correction, but I think they are still going to be releasing their larger bottles. Um, and this one's called the Godfather. 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 Godfather Rye IPA. Yeah. So, like, keeping with their animal theme, uh, this one has the border buffalo um, animal. Mm-hmm. It's inspired Cape, by Cape Buffalo, Cape Nold buffalo. Boss. Yeah. So that's obviously an actual mm. real bu- yeah, individual that's a, buffalo that's, that's a living buffalo that exists is somewhere. it do you know about it? no i have no, no idea you, you spoke as though no. you know no 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 i'm just i'm uh, like i speak with everything pretending with to just authority. a tremendous authority yeah i'm actually quite excited to drink this me too uh, as, a, as an ipa lover a rye ipa actually sounds yeah. pretty interesting well uh, yeah i think let's let's try this this one out they say it's got more malt in than than their other ipas so, understandably and you can immediately see from the color they ain't kidding yeah so that that the color again, kind of ruby. You can see from the mm. the slight haziness that this is dry hopped, and they also say it's heavily dry hopped in their marketing material. Heavily, heavily, heavily dry. Heavily dry hopped. Okay, great. So and that that would explain why it's a bit hazy. Yeah, I'm um, not totally dissimilar from what I expect to look at an IPA in terms of the coloring. Yeah, I mean if it's a red IPA or something like that, this would be pretty much on on par. Um, nice, and nice creamy head as well. Aromas, definitely picking up the rye almost immediately. It's, yeah. it's that sort of spicy dryness which rye brings to beer. I don't know if you've ever had a rye whiskey, for instance, man. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I have. Yeah. So, so your sort of rye whiskeys like Sazerac is the classic. Yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, beautiful spicy dry notes. Um, rye is a fantastic grain to work with. It's difficult to work with because it's quite gelatinous. So, for homebrewers out there, you've got to use. Firstly, you have to use a pre. Well, you don't have to, but it's better to use a pre-gelatinized rye. So that would be something like a rye flake, which is a rolled rye flake. You wouldn't just fold the the kind of raw rye into... No, that would not work very well. So you'd, you'd have to use a pre-gelatinized form of it. So it's it's a rolled rye flake. And you can actually pick that up at health stores and stuff because people have put it in their muesli and their cereals. Because uh, it's healthy. It's very healthy. Because beer is healthy. Rye is incredibly healthy. You know, it's it has the dreaded gluten in it, whatever that means. But uh, the bugbear, the, yeah. the, oh, the, no. the current the current boogeyman. I did see a, a, a non gluten beer in the store. I didn't buy it. No, but I'm, I'm glad you, you get those. And also, basically, sorghum beer are obviously non gluten yes. because there's no gluten in sorghum apparently. Yeah, what what's interesting here is that it's almost like there's two competing elements mm. from the the IPA hops and yeah. the rye. Mm. Um, uh, it's not they don't overwhelm each other but it's interesting to see how they interact you mm. know mm. I mean definitely very upfront rye flavors then you get the hop kick 
Um, yeah. Uh, sort of almost apricot-y kind of flavors yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's actually quite a good description. Yeah, sort of stone fruit stuff going on here. So it's an interesting hop they've used here. I'm not sure. Obviously, he's got a few, but very, very fruity, resinous kind of stuff coming on here. It also does really bring out the malt. I mean, it certainly is reminiscent of their primary IPA, which um, is that Thunderbird yes. um, IPA. So they do have, I mean, it's also got that slightly more dense, uh, I associate more with the European style of IPAs. Yeah, it's not as clean yeah. an IPA as I've tasted before. Yeah, it's not that sort of clean, crisp, citrus mm. um, hit which you get from the American, especially the West Coast IPAs. Um, but but still legitimately a real IPA. It's not a faux PA. Um, and I like the rye. I mean, the rye kind of really just, it's kind of Moorish. Do, do you think there's enough rye in here? Well, I think it's a common thing with rye beers that you, I think it's a bit difficult to get a, a lot of rye flavor into a beer. Because rye is not necessarily a strong, um, you know, grain to use in beer. Yeah, it doesn't. Unlike rye bread, it doesn't translate its flavor that um, much into the beer. Yeah, obviously. Um, so but I mean, probably also there's a lot of a uh, lot of crossover between the bitterness of the rye mm. and the, the kind of density of the rye with yes. those same flavors uh, in in the IPAs. Yeah. Look, I think what, what rye does mostly to beer is it does impart that spicy dryness. Um, and it is, I mean, there's an unmistakable rye-like flavor, yeah, but it's not an intensely yeah, rye flavor. I, I, can, I can taste it. I, again, I'm, uh, I'm not sure I'm picking up enough uniqueness mm. um, to justify it being a rye beer, you know? Right. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm, sure. I'm interested in it, and I do like it. Mm. Uh, it's not; a, it's by no means a bad beer. I, it's I, almost I, like you have to be told that it's right yes. to know that it's right. Yes, exactly <laughs> that. Exactly. Then you start that. tasting. It. Yeah, no. then you st- then you're like, okay, I, I can I can see where they're coming from. Mm. But as as it stands, it's kind of like, all right, it's a it's a it's just a very kind of dense IPA. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, it's 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 nice, but it is. You're right. I mean, it's not. It doesn't hit you in the face and say this is right. Um, no, I, there's there's elements of it I can smell. You know, a little bit of those. The, the the top notes are have got that that bready rye mm. flavor to it, but if I didn't absolutely one hundred percent know that there was rye in here, I would not call this a rye a rye beer. Mm. I'd mm. be like, okay, it's an IPA, and they've you know they've it's it's not as dry as I expected it to be. Yeah, um, it, it doesn't have a lot of the crunch that I expect from uh, from the more mm. hoppy IPAs, because um, I think it's diluted by that rye flavoring. Right, but uh, yeah. look, I think in in some ways the um you know the rye comes maybe through more in the aftertaste. There is definitely more of a ryeish yeah spiciness to the aftertaste. Yeah. And it no, sticks. you're right. You are right. It's sort of like when you eat rye bread. The rye bread sort of has a bit of a lingering quality. Yeah, and it is it is a bitterness, but maybe that's also the confusion is that the bitterness, the IPA mm. bitterness and the mm. rye bitterness, mm. kind of sit on the same level. They do. Um, um I personally think. This would have been better if they used a bit more of an American hop kind of schedule than the more European kind of hops, and also less South African hops probably. Um, just to sort of because citrus and rye, I, I don't know. I think that kind of goes better. Yeah, I hear, I hear exactly what you're saying. Is that if this was a that 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 sharper taste on yeah. the hops, then mm. the rye would be allowed to flourish on its own. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've had some lovely rye amber ales, for instance, because. You know, those two flavors, the spiciness mm. and the caramel flavors go well together. Yeah. Um, but this is a, a very drinkable beer. Yeah, certainly. I, I'm finding it very dense. I must mm. say, I, I do, I, 
I, it's a bit chewy. It is a bit chewy, uh, and and I like chewy, but mm. this is a. It feels like a different kind of chew. Yeah. Um. I think it's a very nicely made beer. Uh. If it was just an IPA, I would still think it is mm. just as mm. good. Mm. Um. So I'm not seeing the necessity for it to be. Yeah. Uh, you know, for it to, to be working on that level. Mm. Uh, but still, I mean, you know, very seldom can criticize Darling uh, in terms of the... Look, they still make good beers, you yeah. know, and despite some of the stick they've received recently from, from the craft beer pundits, I, I think they still make great beer. What uh, what stick are they getting? Selling out? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's mostly just people who are ignorant of what craft beer is about because mm. I think it's about the science. You know, there has so, to be so a tiny this, little brewery in it, someone's back garden. Yeah, so the moment you become popular or successful, mm. it's it's the hipster analytical method of, of judging excellence, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. It's like I liked them when they only had one album with 100 mm. copies that could only be bought on yes. reel-to-reel. Exactly. And and But also people just misunderstand what craft beer is about. Craft beer is about chasing flavor. And it's about the ingredients you use. And it's about creating beers which are, yeah. are a very specific flavor profile you're chasing versus the size of the fermenter you're putting it in yeah and if you're successful in making good tasting beers yeah uh in that ethos then you're a craft brewer mm. no i mean it, it does just reference this the age-old debate right now in south african craft beer of what is craft beer and mm. everyone has their own little opinion absolutely um but it really is not very well thought through because if if you really do believe that craft beer is about the size of the brewery, then nothing stops, and in fact, nothing has stopped macro breweries from creating a tiny little brewery, exactly, funded by the macro brewery, exactly, staffed by macro brewers. Yeah. Now, is that a craft beer? Yeah, just because they're smaller. just because they're tiny. Yeah. So, if you make Castle Light and you call it Craft Light, mm. and you stick it in a one thousand liter brewery, yeah. is that a craft? And you, beer? and you only make three hundred liters a month at some no, point. It's in time. Yeah. I'm, I'm Personally, actually, kind of getting pretty tired of that debate, yeah. and uh, that's why I'm not actually taking part anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Other than wow. right now, there's Marcel with the horseshoe theory. Um, okay, cool, cool. Should we, uh, while we finish off this uh, rabbit, do we need another another draft? I think it's time for TV draft again. Another, another round of the draft. I feel, I still feel the sting of fringe. You see, but now mm. this is this is kind of animated me to try and find a, another one that are you, you are also you have using the list. word animated with intent, man? I am using the word animated. Is this going to be an intent. animated TV series which you are going to? Bring I am. Um, yeah. uh, you see, I'd like to bring up one particular one. Yeah, and it's difficult for me to do so because literally no one has fucking seen it. Oh, and God. I still, it's I, one I, of those obscure things you can it, only find no, on real to real. No, it is, it is obscure. <laughs> I think it was on uh, it was on Adult Swim, so it was okay. on on Cartoon Network, probably about ten mm. years ago, maybe a little bit less. Um, and I'm 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 going to say it because to me it was it was really instrumental in in a lot of the way I view comedy. Mm. Uh, you know, and as you know that I'm I'm a little bit of an absurdist, and the story was. Uh, seen from a different point of view, in terms of it's a, a, a superhero who is a failed superhero. He's just got a lot of. He's the, he's the Batman in a world where people don't kind of really want Batman because he's just annoying, mm. you know. Um, and then a, a, a truly global threat arrives, right? Um, who's more interested in the marketing of blowing up the world than actually blowing up the world? Okay. Sounds um, intriguing. I don't know what you're is. talking about, but it sounds it's a, great. It's a, it's a program called Frisky Dingo. Okay. Right. It ran for two seasons on, on uh, like I say, Adult Swim Cartoon Network. I have never right. heard of this. No, you wouldn't have heard of this because no one fucking watched it, which is why it only got two seasons. Frisky Dingo. Frisky Dingo. Frisky Dingo. It was kind you of the, first, folks. It was the precursor to, I'm sure you've heard of Archer. 
Yeah, which now, is, Archer, I know. Now, Frisky Dingo was was before Archer. It was mm. before um, I think there was uh, Metal Apocalypse, which was yeah, Metapocalypse. But I like that show. Yes, absolutely. Now, Frisky Frisky Dingo was, uh, as far as I'm aware, the same production yeah. company before. Adam all that. Reed and Matt Thompson, apparently. Yeah, Thompson Street. That's the mm. that's the that's the animating animation company. They and Frisky Dingo was really just. Also, a very Seinfeld-esque show about nothing. Right. Um, you know, mm. everyone has their motives, but no one actually gives a shit about them. Yeah, sounds great. It, no, it's, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. I, 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 you know, I could talk about it for a while, but I'm not going to because there's... So why is it called Frisky Dingo, though? Um, I actually have no fucking idea. I, I think they were going to... They were going for, like, a, a codename, like Alpha Charlie Bravo or something yeah, it like says, that. Yeah, it was also known as Whiskey Tango 6. Yeah, there we go. So, yeah. uh, And I think they just decided to fuck with the entire process. <laughs> um, but it's fa- it really is fantastic. It, it, it features, you know, the, the, the mm. protagonist who actually is the antagonist many times because right. no one fucking likes him. He, you know, he ends up, you know, sucking dick mm. for money and... His his henchmen his henchmen are really angry because he didn't fund their four hundred one k retirement plans. Um, you know they they call, they're called the extacles. <laughs> extacles. <laughs> you know, it's it, it really is. Sounds a, great. It's very very funny. I'll I'll if I if if I ever pirate it, I'll uh, I'll lend it to you. But that, that's so I'm going for an animated pick. I'm hmm. going for one that's out of left field because I could have gone Simpsons. I could have gone Futurama, hmm. and I chose one. That was uh, no. You really went left field. I, went I mean, with, you went far left. This is the you this, went long. This is the bizarre episode. We're, we're doing we're doing weird beers. So I went for a, a weird choice. But anyone out there who has actually seen Frisky mm. Dingo, you and I are literally their only audience. Hmm. Well, there were two. There were two people who watched, which is why they only made two seasons. There was one for each of us. Sounds obscure. It sounds good. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to watch it. Right, your turn. Okay, so now now I'm really conflicted because I don't know how many more we've got. This is part of the stress of the draft shows. You never know how many rounds draft, are going to yeah. be. Um, given how many beers are still left in the box, there might be many. But given <laughs> Matt and I's continual drunkenness, it might, it might, be, it might be less. Um, so there's a lot of ones here on my list, man. I think that... And there's ones which are going to physically pain me not to say uh, that they're on my list. Uh, uh. Um, I now kind of almost feel obliged to to, to mention the prestige comedy show which we mentioned that you were talking about earlier and you know exactly which you, one i'm you, talking you've, about you've you've hinted in its directions so now mm. you, that that was hitchcock's gun in the i first feel like act. the gun now has to be used it has to be used exactly so so my prestige comedy show which really had a big influence on me and my understanding of comedy is in living in color living color absolutely the waynes brothers that was their first really big big kind of shot at fandom Jim Carrey's That's where Jim Carrey came. Yeah. A lot of good comedians came yeah. out of that. Um, Jennifer Lopez's first game. She was the choreographer of the... She was, she was a dancer. She, she was on the Fly Girl. She was on the Fly Girls, yeah. And, you know, it was just such a funny show. Yeah. I mean, also, if you grew up in, you know, 90s South Africa, pre-1994 pre, pre South Africa, yeah. it was actually kind of often remarkable to me that they even allowed the show on television. Yeah. It was like they didn't care anymore. They were just letting anything happen. Yeah. And like it, at the tail end of apartheid. I think it was a good anic- uh, an antidote to the, the prevailing fear-mongering and, mm. and sort of really grim atmosphere which was around in this country back in the early 90s. Yeah. And, and I loved it. I mean, it was you know, just so funny. Yeah. And it, it, it was, it, for me, it, it articulated the kind of racial politics in a way which I don't think South Africa at the time was quite ready for it. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I think for me, you know, being at that time probably early teens, mm. 
for me, it was the first real obvious examples mm. of racial comedy where yeah. we where, 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 yeah, just uh, came out and said it it came out and said it. they were like look there's you know black yeah. white we're having struggles this is how and this then is how the, we see the, it. i mean who can ever forget the fireman the fireman, fireman bull who constantly sets from himself jim carrey you know, let me show you something yeah and, and he's like badly just, scarred it was hilarious <laughs> and the blues guy who, who sang blues songs which were embarrassing to everyone who listened to it yeah. and uh homie the clown homie the clown homie, homie don't, don't play, play that. that homie don't, don't play, play that, that. no I cannot watch an In Living Color episode now, which is most... You can find all of them on YouTube. They're all on YouTube, yeah. Without just feeling this tremendously warm feeling of nostalgia. Yeah. And it is just genuinely funny. Yeah. It's, it's, it, for, for me, it was like, you know, two or three years later watching The Fresh Prince. Yeah, you know? yeah. And watching The Fresh it, Prince, you can draw a real line there. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and it's that nostalgia. It was like an yeah. innocent time where mm. racial dynamics weren't a massive portion mm. of my worry on a daily basis. Yeah. But those were conversations that were starting to happen. Yeah, no, I think In Loving Color was brilliant. Taken, you've taken the, the sketch show wind out of my sails. There we go. Let's well, do I, another one. Let's I do think one we more. should do one let's more. Let's do one more. Okay. Um, uh, it's becoming progressively more difficult. It is good, yeah. I'm, you see, now I feel... Okay, I'm going to say one because this is, this is an obvious pick mm. that almost no one can disagree with because it is one of the finest television That's, shows. Those are some big words no, there, mate. No, no, no. If, if you enjoy clever uh smart american comedy from almost from a british perspective i just want to quickly yeah. mention by the way that all all our picks so far right with the, maybe the exception of fringe mm-hmm. i'm not sure about frisky dingo when it came out but we really are tapping the sort of nostalgia buttons here i mean we're not getting very contemporary all right well i'll get contemporary last six is years. this one contemporary contemporary yes. okay interesting right. from uh, armando Inucci, who um who wrote uh, in the loop and the thick of it, which were mm. in the loop, I think was the motion picture part of it. Right. Uh, thick of it was the was a British show about British politics, mm. and what a clusterfuck it is, basically. <laughs> Not afraid to pull, you know, didn't pull punches, anything like that. Yeah. But Armando Inucci went to America to do the in the loop movie, and while he was over there, yeah, he was exposed to American politics, and which he was thought, even more holy screwed. fuck, this yeah. is some fertile ground. <laughs> so he made Veep. Ah. Oh. Which is a landmark in modern television comedy because it's it's not a sitcom. You know, we had the mm. discussion earlier on about that single com- a, a single yes. camera, multi camera, um, mm. mm. serialized kind of thing. Mm. Veep Veep kind of broke down those boxes. It's a it's a it's a half hour show, but it's mm. it's incredible. It's a fantastically consistently funny show mm. over six seasons that shouldn't by any rights actually have six seasons because it's really about originally about a very very poor mm. vice president that shouldn't have been there. Right. And then she becomes president, and then mm, she's not president, mm. then she is president, then she retires, and then wants to have her own congressional library, and okay. and she she was on Seinfeld, uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus, yeah, and watching no, she's Veep, Elaine, she's Elaine, Elaine Wa- watching Seinfeld. Veep made me realize how wasted she was on Seinfeld. Oh, really? She is. I think she she appeared in Seinfeld in a time when female comedians still weren't really respected at all, because a lot of Elaine's comedy comes from responding to what everyone else is doing and being, she doesn't set and up being her own, basically neurotic yes yeah which absolutely is the, which is the the fallback yeah, for a yeah. funny woman um in 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 veep she's ruthless mm. she's horrifically hard on everybody around her yeah. she makes the worst decisions because they benefit her yeah. no one else okay. and it is hilarious to watch everything fall apart all the mm. time i feel embarrassed to say that i haven't actually watched Veep. It, it's a travesty because 
because Veep is one of the most consistently funny things I've ever watched in my entire really? life. Uh, there's a couple of comedies that are on at the moment. And mm. in the last 10 years, uh, things like New Girl and, and Happy Endings that I've very much enjoyed. But Veep, you, you feel clever watching it. You right. feel cleverer than her. Okay. You feel cleverer than all the people around her. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's, it's really, really excellent. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that on my to watch list. I think list. Uh, hopefully the listeners are populating theirs as we go. Well, anyone out there who's not seen Veep is a fucking arsehole. Well, that, that's some hard words, man. <laughs> I have to edit that shit out of post. No, it's 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 really really good. I, I force people around me to mm. watch Veep, and you're the last one. Good. Well, I'm I feel obliged to watch. It. I am. So uh, that was a comedy. Maybe you should pick a comedy. I'm just saying. You're just saying. I'm just saying. I, Maybe. I, was, I was basically picking only comedy. No. Living Color, Sketch, <laughs> it, Blackadder, Depressing, Homicide, Life on the Streets. It had some funny moments. Like, oh, God. <laughs> so I am actually picking a comedy, okay. oddly enough. And okay. It's not based on your uh, oh, pressure. But it's also, it's famous for being such a short run. And it's famous for being created by someone who's famous for creating shows with a short run. Hmm. It only had two seasons and 22 episodes. Hmm. But it still remains with me whenever I think of good TV. And it, again, it did things which I've never seen in television. And I think that's why it's on my list. Mm-hmm. It, it pushed not only the visual style of television, but the, the entire style of television. It was weird beyond belief. It, it felt, for me, actually, it felt a lot like basically a, being in a Wes Anderson TV series. Uh, uh, uh. It had a very Wes Anderson feel. Hmm. And and I think clearly I would I would argue influenced by it. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if it really, if the creator of the show would agree. But it just and again cinematic, great acting, funny, one series, dark, two seasons, two seasons, two seasons. So was he is he a famous writer? I'm not sure. Actually, you know more about these things than I do. Oh. So my show is Pushing Daisies. Brian Fuller. Brian Fuller. Uh, yeah. And I just love that show. The most misunderstood showrunner in television. It, it killed me when Pushing Daisies got cancelled. I couldn't understand it. I'm actually... I, I felt like the world had gone mad. That is a that is such a good choice. Pushing Daisies was an insane, yeah. crazy TV show that should never, ever happen. I mean, it started like, you know, with this wonderful... I mean, the, the, the voice actor, the narrator is this like... Yeah. He sounds like your granddad. Yeah. Kind of sound. And yeah, yeah the Let premise me tell was you a fairy tale. The premise was just incredible. This guy who, when he touches stuff, things they die. He first finds out about it by killing his mother. Yeah, but then he can, but then he can wake them up again, right? He can. Yes, that's yeah. right. And and he can revive things which are dead. And he he owns a pie store. He owns a pie shop. And he makes money because he can take all the rotten vegetables and fruit and revive them. That's right. And then make a lot of money out that's of his right. pies. And then there's the obviously the love interest which comes. Um, and it's uh, I think it's Anna Friel, Anna Friel, yes, who is just delightful. And obviously, they fall in love, but he cannot touch her because then she will die. Because then she'll die again. Yeah, she was dead, and then he brought her back to life. Yeah, yeah, you that's can only right. do it once. And, yes, that's right. And also, when you do that, something else dies in return. And that's the other thing I think the, pre- the other uh, sort of conceit of the show. And also, one of my um, you know very favorite actors, who's the private detective who gets involved. Chee uh, McBride. Chee McBride. He, he was like in Hawaii 5 He's been in a lot of stuff. He's been in a lot of stuff, yeah. He's yeah, just yeah. been in a, He's a character actor of note. He has been in everything. But I remember there was a there was a waitress in mm. uh, in Pushing Daisies, like the, uh, Kristen Chenoweth. Yeah. She, the, that high-pitched, you know, and, and she's got a thing for him. 
She does. And this is unrequited love. Mm. And, and she's also very eccentric in the show. And every, I mean, everything just works. Yeah. I, I actually remember watching, because it was, yeah, you're right. It was only two seasons. Two it was seasons. a very limited run. Oh, it was sad, man. I mean, yeah. I couldn't believe it. I mean, it was just getting started. Brian Fuller's had some success since then, then because mm. he's had two very, yeah. very well-respected. One, one which I think is utter shit, but which everyone else seems to love. What you say? Well, he did Hannibal, which I thought was phenomenal mm. and is still, to me, visually one of the best things I've ever right. seen on television. I watched a few episodes the other day and I was quite impressed. Very, very good. And it also has Mads Mikkelsen. Mm. And, and then he also did um, American Gods, yeah. which I'm very disappointed by, but I can see why people do like it. Well, I, I feel a little bit ambivalent about American Gods at the moment. I've only watched four uh, episodes. Mm. Um, I kind of enjoy it and I, I must say, I think it does justice to the book. I think it does. <sighs> I mean, two as much as that. you can. Yeah, yeah. I think if they I were, love the main casting of Shadow. I think Shadow is fantastic. Obviously, Ian McShane as Wednesday is an astonishing. It's an astonishing casting. He's, he's just unbelievable. I think Shadow's wife's well cast as well. Yeah. I, 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 again, when you talk about Shadow's wife, you have to also concern yourself with how realistic they are being to the book because her part has obviously mm. been enormously played out look i have to admit that i i haven't read the book in a long time so for me when i watch american gods it's sort of like okay this sounds familiar yeah like me. i kind of remember the scene yeah i look i i reread american gods every year just to mm. make sure that i'm I still should. alive i was actually thinking the other day i want to do the apparently the, the uh, audio book of american gods is amazing who's it read by lots of people it's got a lot oh, of really? mainline american actors doing reads of it i really wouldn't be surprised um, it's a, and it's doing seminal. different characters and stuff it's yeah. a real a real production um but my main beef with american gods and other on that topic is i don't know if you picked up on it but the camera work annoys the crap out of it's it. style over substance man it is it's and style over substance, you know of, uh, talking of chekhov's gun yeah it has so many instances of that where they they close up slow-mo and then they never come back to that the guy again. lighting a cigarette Mm. And they constantly do that throughout the show. Mm. And after a while, it becomes so tiresome. It's like, no. okay, now you're doing another close-up slow-mo of a guy buttoning a shirt. Yeah. It, it means nothing. It's that kind of Truffaut 70s autier theory where you mm. kind of focus on a on a bottle of yeah, yeah, Eno's yeah. and watch it dissolve and then mm. go somewhere else completely. And, and there's, just no because, significance there's no significance whatsoever. because we're talking about real life. But now you do that every single like True. five minutes it loses its impact it does I also the fact that they didn't ask me to do mad sweeney's role also pissed me off the, you would have been a great mad sweeney i mean I look the, the 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 guy who was <laughs> i don't know his name but he was he's um, pretty good at it though he was from um orange is the new black he was the oh, prison guard i don't even i never watched that and and he's very very good but you would be even better mm, but yeah anyway oh yeah well now we are on to another strange beer this is from the cape brewing company the cbc and we are going to now have a beer which is very pink. It is a raspberry crystal vice. So they say on the back of the bottle that this is their interpretation of a Berliner Weiss Mitsush, which is the uh, Mitsush with sauce, I think. Mit oh, not not the Japanese Mitsush, which means to decapitate your opponents with a crane. Much better. I think from now on it's going to be that. <laughs> we are having the uh, CBC raspberry crystal vice. With decapitation by crane. <laughs> with crane decapitation. And, and and the way that Berliner Weisses are served in, in Germany often is with a, a shot glass of a fruit syrup, oh, okay. which you then can chuck into the beer. Because a Berliner Weiss is one of the sour beer styles. Yeah, which we'll still do. A and sour Berliner episode. Weisses are, are really lovely. Um, 
You are a fan yeah. of the sour beers, though, so I'm not surprised you're keeping track of this. Though. I am a little bit. I, I've got to tell you, off the bat, I'm concerned about this. <laughs> like, right away. Matt is concerned, everyone. Right away, I'm I'm kind of worried about what this is going to taste like. Because it looks like Fifth Avenue cold duck. <laughs> Which is horrible stuff. This is... Let's face it. Yeah. Anyone who's ever had a, a New Year's in South Africa as a... 1990s teenager yeah, will remember that very stuff. well aware of what fifth and you called that can do oh, to yeah. a 14 year old body it's just bad stuff man so the, so what i'm looking at here is a raspberry beer allegedly um so let's try this that's this a is... nice reference by the way berlin lab mm, bread for sure it's very sweet to smell very berry lots um, of berries lots of ra- like actual raspberry i can literally smell raspberries no you can tasting it wow that's very different eh? i did not expect that I've got to admit, I've, yeah, mm. let's do another one there. Confusion in the studio. Yeah, that, I don't know what I'm drinking here. I'm not the fan. It's kind of disappointing. I mean, because I, when, when I read on the back of the bottle, but in the vice, I thought, cool, it's going to be sour. And, but with that shot of mm, fruitiness. Of fruitiness. This is not sour at all. It's not, it's sweet. It's, it's very sweet. I've got to say, unfortunately, it tastes a lot like cough medicine to me. It's got that cough medicine fruitiness. Not that I drink cough medicine <laughs> recreationally or anything. Anyone? Any pharmacists out there wish to sponsor this program? <laughs> um, no. Or basically yeah. just allow me from their store. I'm not mm. super into this. It's a pity um, because if you're going to make a Berliner Weiss, make it sour. Put, put some lactobacillus in there. But I mean, may- maybe the concept here is because they're putting fruit in, fruit is sweet, and therefore you must not have a f- sweet beer. Well, that, that's why you put the fruit into a Berliner Weiss, is to balance the sour and to make it sort of like a sour, fruity Sure, combo. But, then, but then you still have the sour. For me, that, that is a mistake. I mean, maybe they shouldn't have said Berliner Weiss. I've got to tell you, uh, Agos recently came out with a drink literally identical to that. Um, yeah, I, I like the, I like the, the berry beer from Agars more than I like this. It, it it's what was it called like the crunchy grapefruit or the punchy mm. fruit or something like that. Um, it's uh, it reminds me a lot of that. Mm. I know you're not a fan of that one. I no, actually um, I do like the Agars um, wild berry. Wild berry, yeah. I, I actually quite enjoy the wild berry because that is. But a I mean that very had more beer to it. Beer. That yeah. had more beer to it. This mm. is very. This is verging on cidery. No, sure. I think uh, Agos Berry Beer is a very classic fruit beer. It's got malt in it, and it's got fruit in it, and it's a good combination. This is very cough syrupy. I cannot actually shake that flavor. It's a very cough syrupy flavor. It, it reminds me coats of it, um, coats it when I was a kid, and I was forced to drink that awful shit. That is, I'm not. This isn't something that I would enjoy. I don't know. Mm. I might, I might ask my wife what she thinks about this as a kind of fruity wine beer mix. You see, I like fruit beers. I like a good crick which is the Belgian fruit beers yeah. and so on. Um, not a fan of this. No, it's it really tastes like diluted fruit juice. No. Fizzy diluted fruit juice with some alcohol in it. I don't know what the alcohol content is. 5%. I can't really taste the alcohol anyway. Yeah, probably well, skilled which is at least stuff. nicely balanced. But um, where's the sourness, guys? No, I don't want Matt throws away his glass of disgust. <laughs> at the wall. Yes, at the wall. Okay. Um, that's. I mean, do you not think that maybe there is an audience for this, though? I mean... I'm sure there is. I mean, CBC is pretty on point with their uh, beer styles and marketing and everything. I, You know, I don't know. I just don't get it. I mean, maybe it. Uh, I hate to even think that it's, this might be true, but it could be their 
way of saying this is a beer for non-beer drinkers? Uh, uh, This is absolutely a a beer for people who don't drink beer at all. Like if you're into Alka-Pops or you're into ciders maybe more, I don't know. They're calling it a take on their crystal vice. So Mm. they're saying, you know, vice with raspberry. And probably that is what it is. Um, Except I can't taste the vice either. It's there in the in the deep background, but this isn't for us. But maybe, maybe it will be popular with other people. Uh, right. Well, do you want to do one more mm. draft? Round? Jesus, I don't. I hope not one more because I've got a long list. No. Well, I mean, we, otherwise this podcast is going to be like twelve hours long, my friend. True. True. We okay. need to we need to cut out apron strings at some point. You're just being harsh, man. I am being harsh. So are we going to do one more draft and one more beer, and then we're out? Let's do one more draft, one more beer, maybe two more beers, mm. because I do like beer more True. than I like television. Now you've really put me in a big bind here. Why? Because I made you use Pushing Daisies. No, I, I was always going to use Pushing Daisies. I okay. just thought you were going to pick it before I did, but then I knew that you weren't. So. No. But now you've got me in a big bind, because I've got one... Well, maybe First, tell me about your bind, because you surely are in one too. M- my bind is that I would like to use three shows as one draft pick. That's what I'd like to do because they're all the That's same show. I know, no, I know it is controversial. They're from the same person. They have you know many of the same cast members. Right. Um, they're completely different shows. This is Law and Order, isn't it? It's not. No, it's not <laughs> Law and Order. And if it, you know what? The law and Order is on my list. I'm the, not going to pick it. I'm I, just saying it I was right say, now. The irony of today is that we've mentioned Law and Order like six times, and no one's going to actually. Law and Order is like this nexus where everything comes together. Uh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do this one because. But I'm specifically said on the Law and Order in my list here it says Law and Order with Jerry Orbach in it. Isn't all Law and Order no. with Jerry Orbach? No, no, because he eventually died. But like only like two years ago. Yeah, but he also left the show. Oh, but, oh did he? He didn't no. die while he was making it. I can't bum, really bum, say bum, whether bum, I know that bum, or not. But but Jerry Orbach for me is Law and Order. Bum, 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 yeah. dun, dun. Dun, dun. By the way, interesting note about Jerry Orbach is that when he was on set in Law and Order, which was basically every day for years, Jerry wrote love poetry to his wife, and he brought out, he published that uh, that book of poetry was published, and it is the most That's beautiful love poems you will ever read. I mean, it's well worth trying to get that, po- that book. So, okay, all right, okay, I'm I'm going to take this opportunity to. to completely fuck with all the rules you put in place for this oh draft dear. and i'm gonna put like five tv one. shows one. in one spot okay i don't think that's fair i'm gonna no okay but i'm gonna use this opportunity as the color commentator on this mm. podcast to shoehorn five tv shows into one draft pick right because they are all made by the same person substantially written by the same person all sound like the same person they all have very similar outcomes because they're by the same person so I'm going to put Sports Night, hmm. The West Wing, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. I'm afraid I'm not going to allow that. And The Newsroom. Right. They are not the same show, man. All four of them. I'm picking all four in you one. Can't. I've just taken it. I've just they, did it. They're I just not did the same it. show. I just did it. They are the sh- same show. There are people who are much cleverer than you talking about things you don't understand for longer than you're able to talk about them. <laughs> They're absolutely the same show. How are they the same show? They're the same show. They're the same show. It's just in different situations. One of them's in television. One of them's in politics. Another one's in television. And the other like one's in picking, television. You know, those, those are horrible shows. But it's like picking the whole Chicago... Chicago Lego, Chicago yeah. Fire, and you Chicago... You can't pick that. That's not the same show. I can't. It is the same show. It even has the same characters. Yeah. 
Um, I, so, so, I feel so, it should so be allowed. Just, just repeat those again. I'm okay, not sure we're going to start with the first one, which is Sports Night, which, yeah, is yeah. His, which was his original sure. kind of genius thing. Mm. Uh, sorry, did I mention it's Aaron Sorkin? It is, yes, it's Aaron, Aaron Sorkin. Sorkin. Yeah. Uh, the West Wing, which ran for, I don't know, mm. 10 seasons. But West Wing is about the West Wing. Sports Night is about doesn't the matter. television Doesn't matter. Doesn't network. matter. It's about people being clever. No, 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 no. Clever no, than you. More no. ethical than you. These are all more separate moral shows, than you, buddy. Being able to make decisions better than no, you. Yeah. That's what Aaron Sorkin writes. Mm. But they are not the same show. I know they're not the same show practically. Mm. But if you just look a little bit sideways, then you'll no. understand why. I feel like you've, horror, you've broken this show now. All right. You know what? My original <laughs> intent was just to name all shows. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to pull back and say that my choice is actually the newsroom. Okay. Yeah, I want to say, which one would you pick there? Um, I think the conventional pick would be West Wing mm. because of it's just sheer uncompromising excellence over there. I think it was 10 seasons. It was really good. I mean, I think the West Wing started great thing a little bit at the end where I remember actually watching a few shows near the, the, the last season where... It was really just people make you know talking to each other in little sound bites. Yes, they were saying things that were so clever mm. that they're not part of a conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're part of quotes that you would put in your yearbook. Yeah, it's like book. little and then yeah. and but that was not good. Well, welcome to Aaron Sorkin. That's how he writes. That's that's the genius of him. Is, is that everything he writes makes you seem like an idiot? <laughs> because real people don't have conversations like that. Mm. I mean, we want to. It would be wonderful if we could because that would make us the cleverest people in the world. Sure. But we don't. We don't. They do. And they do it while they're walking and putting on jackets and like interpreting mm. very difficult legal understandings. It's, it's yeah. He was obviously also the, you know, behind the film Few Good Men. Yeah, yeah. He, he wrote Charlie, Charlie Wilson's, Wilson's War, The, the Social movie. Network. Charlie Wilson's War is just great. I, Aaron Sorkin can do no wrong in my eyes. He can take as much crack and walk through as many airports as he wants to. I don't care. <laughs> he's, he, he's a living legend. He writes like everyone wants to be. That is what mm. Aaron Sorkin does best. And no, I, I love I him for it. I get it, man. I get it. We'll allow it for now, given that there are no rules. Given that we're just making the rules up as we go along. Points don't matter. Okay, your turn then. I've chosen... So I've got a whole bunch of stuff still left on my list, man. I have like a thousand things on my list. Mm. Of course there's a lot of things. We probably should have a bit of a, a snake, you know, sort of list at the end where we just mention some of the things which were on our list. You just rule them off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to be... What you going to do, man? I'm going to be super nerdy. Okay, okay. My last pick is super nerdy. Is, um, it, is it a late 70s sci-fi TV show? It is based on a late 70s sci-fi TV show. Oh. But more contemporary than that. Oh. And of the different derivatives of that late 70s sci-fi yes. tv show it's the one which we're not because i've recently rewatched a lot of these derivatives yes it's the one which does not actually make you cringe and think wow yeah what were you thinking and that is star trek voyager really yeah you've chosen voyager out of all I of them i chose voyager voyager is the one you're going to yeah. voyager for me holds up way more than new generation new generation was a bit campy it is very camp. I mean, when you watch it again, you can really see yeah. the camp. Yeah. Um, it's really, it's like the Patrick Stewart show, really. Yeah. It's Patrick Stewart doing Shakespearean acting yeah. with other people watching yeah. on in great yeah. puzzlement. Desperately trying to understand what's going on. Yes, yeah. and not really having the acting chops but at all. Voyager over Deep Space Nine? Yes. Really? Yeah. Look, Deep Space Nine is not terrible, but I, I never really... Uh, the, the fact that Deep Space Nine was a space station and was sort of fixed in space 
You don't, that's what there was no exploration eh, and stuff. No, the, the exploration bit for me is almost essential to Star Trek. Okay. All and right. so, and they were with pretty competent derivatives. I mean, the the hmm. Enterprise one with Did you like the, that one? the Pecula. Scott Pecula was the captain. And incidentally, the other show I was in would definitely have been on my list. Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap. Mm. What a great show. Mm. But but Voyager for me, if I um, I watched it recently again, has not aged for me at all. How many seasons did Voyager go to? Two. Quite a few. Oh really? No, quite a few. Voyager. Yeah. Um, I don't know the exact uh, number, but through the magic Between of the one internet and ninety. <laughs> yeah, somewhere in there. You know, Captain Janeway no, was sure. of course, you know, the very first female captain, female of, captain of, yeah. of Star Trek, and she was great. It it has so many good elements of Star Trek without being. Completely a copy of everything Are else. Are you a Trekkie, Marcel? No, a I'm not. I'm not a Trekkie. And I find Trekkies a little bit weird. Do you buy into the Trekkie worldview? Uh, what is the Trekkie worldview? Um, the kind of... There's a, there's a utopian federated outlook on the world and on mm. the galaxy. And human ingenuity and innovation can overcome. Mm. Look, I've got a bit of that. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't like Star Trek. Um, I do think that we can overcome and we can build a better society and all that. And I also kind of believe in the... I mean, Star Trek has some pretty scary aliens in it who want to kill people. But I also believe in the general idea that if there is life out there, they're probably more benevolent than sci-fi generally suggests. I mean, there were just so many good characters. They all had their own little lives. My favorite was... I mean, my favorite character is not Janeway, although she is great. But my favorite character there, without a hands down, is uh, Robert Picardo as the Doctor. I don't know. And he was, I mean, he plays the Doctor in another show, which is on my list, which is China Beach. China Beach is on my list! (laughs) No way! You have China Beach on your list? You know how weirdly fucking vague that is. Yeah, Robert Picardo is the Doctor in China Beach. Fuck it, I'm going to take China Beach off my list now. I just dug that uh, show, and I mean, I I feel like we have to have Star Trek on the list. I was going to say, I'm glad Star Trek's on the list. It's it's a weird one to have on the list, but mm. I'm 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 glad there is one. Yeah. So Kate Mulgrew is is Catherine Janeway. Yeah. Um, also, obviously, I immediately fell in love with uh, uh, Seven of Nine, which is uh, played by Jerry Ryan. Jerry Ryan who is just Jerry Ryan did things uh, to a lot of pre- prepubescent boys where they were no longer prepubescent. If you well, you just you know very few people can really pull off the Star Trek jumpsuit. Yeah. Um, she does. She was. Um, uh, Borg? She was Borg. She's yeah, not she Borg. Borg. She's yeah. sort of she's, she's like recovered Borg. Yeah. 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 And she sort of plays the emotion. I mean, Star Trek always has a character which has no emotion and who's trying to yeah. understand being human. So yes. in New Generation it was Data. Um in, in Voyager it's Seven of Nine. Yeah, it was the Vulcans yeah. in the original one. I mean the Vulcan uh, Spock was the original one, yeah. yeah, and so on. So there's always that theme of what does it mean to be human and, and Well, I mean that's a very handy little yeah, kind of narrative shortcut to take is that when you're explaining humankind to them, yes. you're explaining humankind to everybody else who's watching exactly. the show. Right, yeah. So right. shall we have another beer? Let's have another. It better be fucking weird. I want a really fucking weird beer. Yeah, well, we're going to get one. Okay. I've just mispoured it. In it's a as dark as your soul. Way. It is. It's, 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 it's virtually it's, opaque. It's black as night. Well, what is it? Can you please tell us more about so, it? So we are having a seasonal. Terrifying. So what's interesting for me is this. Now, again, I speak under correction, and no doubt some of the listeners will be screaming at their preferred listening device at this very moment in time when I say that this is still, for me, a brewery which is getting the seasonal beer thing right. Mm. They really are one of the few breweries which are getting seasonals 
out there as a seasonal and not a production beer. And they have four of them, which come out every season, which is why it's called seasonal. And then they stop releasing them at the end of the wow. season. Yes. Holy shit. You just blew my mind. I know. Mind. It's completely radical. I had no um, idea how this was going to work, but no, I know. And again, if you're a craft brewer, having seasonals makes so much sense because you have one great advantage over the big guys is that you don't have to do much to change your production schedules. Yeah. You you're can the quickly. Agility. Yeah, you've got the agility. You're the big, nimble, you're the tiny, nimble dude who's dribbling the ball underneath the legs of the big, lunking giant. That was a very awkward metaphor. Go, Michigan State. I'm just saying. No, no, a lot cool. of money riding on you guys. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Anyway, okay, so we're having Woodstock's um, winter seasonal called Lady of the Night, Vanilla Porter. So, so vanilla porters are much more common overseas where they put either vanilla, actual vanilla bean in the, the fermenters or in the boil, or they often also um, age them in oak barrels. And obviously, oak gives a vanilla flavor to things like wine. Really? Oh, yeah. I don't know that. No, for sure. So wood actually oh. has a vanilla-ish flavor in parts on, on, on things you put inside of it. And so that's why when you drink a wine with a bit mm. of vanilla flavor, it's often the wood it's been aged in. Okay. But I think... Uh, no, they add vanilla. They I think they add actual Madagascan vanilla. Madagascan yeah. vanilla. Yeah. What do you think, man? That's quite nice, actually. Mm. That's quite nice. You know, it reminds me quite a bit of the Citizen Porter we had a, a couple of shows ago, which is their uh, seasonal. Yeah. I think the, the I think I prefer this just because I think that Citizen, you could taste the alcohol a little bit mm. more. This one is a, a is quite a bit more balanced. I'm not. I, I don't even know what the alcohol percentage is. I think it's quite low. Five point seven. Mm. Robust. Mm, yeah. Um, but I actually quite like this. Mm. Um, I was I was concerned because a lot of times you get that um, that Guinness export kind of taste mm. where there's a, a, a an acerbic sure. alcohol flavor that runs through it. Yeah. Um, and porters, unless you go that very creamy route, you don't, mm. you know, you still, you can taste that. And this is kind of in the middle, and I quite like that. Yeah. And it isn't, it doesn't have that harsh um, burnt malt bitterness, which yeah. some of the porters do have, which I'm not a fan of. Um, yeah, no, this is quite it's a bit light. Is he drinking? It's a bit more easy. <laughs> easy drinking. I use the word easy drinking. Matt, uh, God we, damn it. I like it. I mean, I don't get that much vanilla out of it. No. Uh, the, <laughs> I was just thinking that. It's uh, quite subtle. This is a lovely, nice border. This is very competent, and I would I would drink this again. I would drink this again as well. Yeah, I think this is my favorite porter. Mm. <laughs> okay, Matt. So so cool. we've we've picked our shows. So we picked six shows each. That's twelve shows for people to go watch if they haven't watched them yet. Now let's let's bring out our dead in in the list, and the ones you you would have said if we had an infinitely long podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Would you want to bring out some of those and, and tell us what's on your list? Sure, sure. Go. So I'm going to say Halt and Catch Fire. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've seen that. It's it's really about the 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 start and the growth of the microprocessor industry yes, yes. in America in the kind of, of early yeah. 80s. I think they're going on to season four now. And it's, it's mm. you know, it's maybe suffering towards the end. They're running out of ideas. But the first mm. two seasons are just phenomenal. All seasons of Fargo is fantastic. Mm. Uh, Legion, if you haven't watched, yeah. you really Absolutely should. Absolutely exceptional. Le Legion is just pure escapist brilliance. It takes the X-Men in a whole... Yeah. It takes that whole Marvel universe in the direction mm. and then it just stands all over it. It's I just, mean, Legion for me is also one of those shows like Pushing Daisies, which they do things with television you've never seen yeah. before. Literally, have, I've never seen anything like 
uh, Mr. Robot. Um, I think that that's two mm. seasons down. Um, everyone's watched Westworld. It was the big talk of the last yeah. couple of six months. Let's uh, the Detour, which is the best comedy on TV at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, New Girl, Happy Endings, Andrew Tarbeka, which is made by Steve Carell and his wife. Yeah. Um, that is that kind of police squad, Naked Gun okay. spoof stuff. Very very good. Um, Modern Family, Cougar Town, which was very embarrassing to watch, but very very good. <laughs> I thought Modern Family is a weird pick for you, man. That's very no, middle of the road. No, Modern Family is really well written. Yeah. Christopher Lloyd. No, no, no. It's mm. very very good. Mm. Um, the American Shameless. I prefer to the British Shameless. They're right. on like something like season eleven or mm. something. They've been going yeah. for a while now. Yeah. Uh, William H Macy's. Oh, Macy can't be beaten. You can't fuck with that guy. He's so good. Macy is able to pull off almost any role. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, he's found his home as basically a drug addicted, alcoholic, insane, mm. worst father figure in the world. Father Familias. Yeah. Uh, House. If you never watched House, you have you missed out. House is on my list. House is is the definitive medical procedural. And it's got you, Laurie. Come it's on. It's got you, Laurie. Exactly. I mean, if I were if I were allowed to include miniseries, my, one of my very first picks would have been Night Watchman. The, the, that's a that's a that's Hugh a newer one and uh, the guy who's Loki. Loki, uh, it's uh, Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, that's right. And this is an incredible miniseries. Yes, yes. You, and you, Laurie, is the most evil man you have ever seen portrayed in anything, really. I like the fact that you, Laurie, can just do that. You can just yeah. be that. Californication, which mm. was seminal. Um, Firefly, which we can't actually have a discussion about. <laughs> it's a show on its own. TV dude. shows. It's a show uh, Firefly, own. Dexter. Mm. Uh, I never liked Dexter. You never liked Dexter. I thought it was a bit weird. I, I thought it was a very cleverly paced. Mm. It, it was very formulaic as it got older. They kind mm. of just re-ran the same villains in different sure. seasons. Um, I've got to talk about Coupling, the original British Coupling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, I think he's, the, the, the writer's gone on to do Doctor Who and right. things like that. It is, it is exceptional. Community, it's always selling in Philadelphia, mm. Parks and Rec, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Really? Oh, come on. I don't understand that show, man. I'm going I'm to move on. I'm trying to watch that show recently, no, and I just no, don't no. get it. 30 Rock, Arrested Development. Mm. I've got Firefly here again. <laughs> twice. I've, I've put Firefly, that has Firefly twice. twice. What a nerd. Futurama. The tick. It's almost like he's in a podcast about geeks. The, the Tick, live mm-hmm. action. Brilliant. West Wing, MASH, Crime mm. Story. Crime Story. As With I Vinny. With Vinny. Go. Crime that story was great. Uh, another British mid 2000s TV show called Teachers, which I think they've made an American remake of. Mm-hmm. Flight of the Concords, Peep Show, The Original British Office, League of Gentlemen, uh, Nip Tuck, mm-hmm. Curb Your Enthusiasm, mm-hmm. Archer, Oz, mm-hmm. Married with Children. I'm I'm out. I'm out, man. <laughs> You're out. I'm out. I've drop Mac. I just <laughs> I would drop the mic if I wasn't so worried about breaking the mic. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's some list, Matt. I mean, that is a hell of a list. Yes, I know. I know. Sorry. Okay. So let me, let me... It's difficult to fit all the things that yeah. you love in your life into one fucking yeah. podcast. And you, you knocked quite a few off my list as well. So so, so some of the ones I can bring out uh, on my dead list... Are there literally... Any, is there any one that I didn't actually Quite a name? few. Really? Oddly enough. Really? Are they yeah. all police procedurals? Uh, many of them are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so comedy-wise, I've got a, a 80s comedy, The Bob Newhart Show. Yes, I remember the Bob Newhart yeah. show. Police procedural, I've got Endeavor. 
which is an excellent I British uh, TV that. series. It's basically Inspector Morse when he was younger. Okay. So his first name is actually Endeavour. Was his his first name is Endeavour. It's Endeavour. Is his name Endeavour Morse? Yes. That's fucking weird. Um, and this is this takes up the show sort of starts in the sixties in Britain. Yeah. Again in the town of Oxford, of course. Yeah. Um, and brilliant, brilliant, brilliant police procedural. How many just, seasons did Inspector Morse have? Like no, 3,000? Tons. Tons. Like a billion? Probably. Shit. Then Stranger Things again. The Expanse. Oh, fuck. I want to watch it. So it's bad, beautiful. Again. It's based on uh, the sci-fi novel series. Yeah. And it's just incredible. I have, I have a list of things I want to see, and there's one thing on that list, and it's The Expanse. The Expanse must be seen. Yeah. I've got another police procedural, Hill Street Blues, which started it all. Jeez, the original. Yeah, the Hill Street original. Blues for me is the predecessor the OG. of homicide, uh, homicide, Law and Order. Yeah. None of those shows would have existed without Hill Street Blues. Wow. Um, then I've got a few animated ones. I've got Grim and Mandy from Cartoon yeah, Network. Oh, yeah, okay. All right. Uh, Courage, the Courageous Dog. What? It is You're the most living in a very, very bizarre adult world here. Courage, you should watch Courage again because Courage is the most surreally weird shit. I know it's surreal. No, it's, it is it's like way... a post-apocalyptic. No, no, it's way beyond that, dude. It is like watch that again. Black Books with Dylan Moran and Bill uh, Bailey. We had little, mm. we had little behind the podcast chat yeah. about that. Anyway. Black Books just can't be beaten. Yeah. I mean, it's for a self-contained comedy. Mm. You can't beat it. Also, short run, three seasons, I think? Yeah, it's about three or four seasons. Oh. Then a golden oldie, Magnum P.I. Um, Homeland is on mine. Homeland? Surely, but first only the couple first couple of seasons. Yeah, I was going to say. Season one, two, maybe three. I think the first three seasons for me were yeah. pretty good. Yeah, after that, it's kind of like that, a it just horrific. becomes just bad. Yeah. Um, but Claire Danes, fun to watch. Mm. Another also, strong female character. Yeah, I think she was fully written i felt that she went into hysterics way too easily the first season was claire danes basically being crazy yeah which was sad which was sad yeah. but the the second one was better um third one was exceptional and that actually was shot here in south africa okay uh, so homeland first three seasons i think they've what did they go to? five seasons i think yeah, they're still going i've got two last ones so the first one is okay give me a genre i've got to guess this sci-fi okay it's a sci-fi that was existing franchise uh, but it was a television show which for the first time ever mm -hmm. showed me how a television show and creator could get a movie franchise it was based on better than the originator of that movie franchise. Is it Battlestar Galactica? No. Um, no, dude. Tell me. The Sarah Connor Chronicles. Okay. Based on Terminator. You liked the Sarah... T the Sarah it was an incredible television show. Like that Summer Glau in it. I know. Which, which has, is almost all I need to say. cred. Summer Glau, I mean, come Huge on. Huge cred. And then the final one, so my very obscure show, is a, is a British TV series called Bodyguards. Late 80s, early 90s TV show. I have to Google this now, because I've never even heard of this. 1996 to 1997. It was a television yeah. crime drama action series. Yeah. Sean Pertwee is the main character. Yeah. He's well known. You'll see him. He was in that great sci-fi movie, Dog Soldiers, and... I remember Doug Soldier. He that was, was a, in Event Horizon. Really? I used mm. to. I love that film. Yeah, well, by by love, I mean hallucinated mm. while watching. Yes. Right, Marcel. That's finding it for our podcast. Yeah. This thanks for, for tuning in for podcast three hours. In, yeah. Thanks for tuning in for <laughs> six hours and seventy-eight minutes. Aging visibly while you listen. And uh, if you have any suggestions for future shows or any ideas you'd like us to uh, talk about, 
drop us a line on our uh, beginnerbrewer.com website or our Facebook page, and uh, we yeah. will definitely take it very serious. Catch you all on the flip side. Thanks, guys, for listening. Have a good one. Until the next one. Ciao. People, people listen because we are interesting, not because mm. we are good. <laughs>